0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Just and the Suffering Podcast featuring New York sports talk from a long-suffering fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. Got a great show for you this week, our first-ever crossover podcast. I'm going to be joined in the studio today by Tom Bacchino and Sean Rowe of the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. They are doing the entire show with me today, but the main reason they're here, they're going to educate me on the NBA season. Simply put, I am not very NBA literate. These guys are. They talk about it every single week on their podcast. We're going to talk about that we talk about college basketball as well. I haven't talked about that yet much on the show, but coming down to crunch time, the tournament's in a couple of weeks. We're going to catch you up on all you need to know. Also, stick around for this week's two-minute drill. We're going to talk about the Alliance of American Football. I think it's been a lot of fun. I've watched a couple games. I actually might get into this, so we'll talk about that with Sean and Tom as well, but we'll get everything wrong with this week's opening tip where nobody's talking about one thing, but there was so much happening last week. I could do a whole podcast on any of these topics. We're going to hit a bunch of them with Tom and Sean right after this. All right, and we're back. You just heard the highlight of All-Star Weekend, Hamid Diallo's Superman dunk over Shaq, the courtesy of TNT. And just Join me in the studio today to talk about half-things basketball and more. The two guys who host the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. First, the guy who I personally know the longest, Tom Bacchino. Tom, welcome. How are you? What's
1: going on, man? You could just introduce me as CEO of uh, oh Sorry my to God interrupt. Sorry to Interrupt and Sorry <laughs> Sports. All right, so, so my he's, COO Sean over there,
0: the CEO. Of, sorry to interrupt sports. On one side, the other side we have the COO Sean Rowe. Sean, how are you? I don't know why he loves these fake
2: <laughs> titles as much as he does every week. I mean, if he could just get the names of the cities and athletes well as down as well as he just does that, then uh, we'd be even better. But it's a pleasure to be here, Mike. Nice to meet yes, you. Thanks, thanks for you having us. Having yeah, us. yeah I appreciate
0: you, you guys. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for coming down to the studio, New Rochelle. So I appreciate that. It's much appreciated. No and problem.
2: Thanks for hosting. Absolutely.
0: All right. Before we get into this, you guys. Guys, tell me a little bit about your how you guys started your podcast, because I have, don't know the backstory of it. You want
1: to take this, Tom? Yeah, it's an extremely romantic story. It so really <laughs> is. Sean and I have been friends for, what, like four or five years now? Yeah, something like that. Um, and, I mean, we met at a job. We just BS, talked a lot of sports. And then, um, I don't know, uh, I finished up college, and me and Sean just one day were sitting at Starbucks, and we were, like, you know, talking our usual sports, and just said, why don't we just grab a couple of microphones and record this, and then... Figured out it was a lot easier than we thought. Uh, You didn't have to, although this is very nice, you didn't have to have a whole studio and all that good stuff. Popped it on my uh, MacBook Pro, and that was pretty much it. Uh, We've been recording almost a year. On the uh, 27th will be our anniversary of our first episode. Uh, We're going to do
2: something really cute for that. Yeah,
1: we will probably put up some pics. We'll go out to dinner. I'll I'll (laughs) buy a CEO. Um, And yeah, I mean, we started off as Janky Clippers, kind of a clown name, but we figured... I'm not gonna sit here and wait for the name, and then do the pod. We'll just have it come to us. Sean and I are always interrupting each other, so thought it was just perfect to call it. Sorry to interrupt, and our website, SorrySports.com. So pretty much the rest is history. We've been rolling after that. At least one pod, mostly two pods a week since then, and seventy-one like episodes think, in now. Yeah, I like to think we've been killing it.
2: Oh yeah, no, we've we've had a great time doing it, and. Uh, you know to hear to hear people like yourself and and we've both loved listening to a lot of different podcasts so including you know, yours absolutely. exactly so we we want to you know put our own flavor on onto our brand and onto onto our platform but you know
0: we're taking a lot of influences as
2: well and just kind of having a f- good time with it yeah absolutely
0: yeah you guys are cool i like having you guys on because you guys do a little differently than i do like every week everybody who know to this podcast knows i have a different guest on every week i will ring in rotate people in in and out most time, but you guys just YouTube most of the time.
2: Yeah, we've experimented with a couple of guests. With Tom's cousin uh, Will's been on it a couple times, uh, yeah. resident cowboy fan, so we had to give him—
1: Resident clown, we'll call him. There you
2: go. <laughs> yeah, some issues during the, during the football season.
1: After, uh, after football season wraps up and once we get a little more time, we're probably going to be branching out a little bit more into some pop culture things, maybe some video and whatnot. Once we get that figured out, those are my plans as obvious CEO. So, Jeez, um, he's plugging this a lot. Um, okay. Yeah, so— we we like to have a lot of fun. We haven't had too many big time guests like you, but I don't know. I guess I think Sean and I are good enough. I, I, I yeah, guess
0: you guys are good banter there, and definitely do go into the pop culture. I mean, I have d- dabbled a little bit in pop culture. I Talk about some TV and stuff. I have a pop culture correspondent. You met her downstairs, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. So, yes. so like we, I've I've talked to her about like she was on two weeks ago. Talk about Super Bowl commercials and all that stuff. That was fun. So. It's funny.
2: We we kind of mm-hmm. did the same. Just we don't have a correspondent. We yeah. were just Not like, yet. let's let's yeah. talk
1: about these prop bets. But no, I mean, we got the legal correspondent and the pop yeah. culture. We got nothing. So we'll just right. have to figure that out.
2: Yeah. Other than other than ourselves.
1: And will and yeah. will,
2: but yeah, no, it's uh, it's a good time. And what we what we kind of do is we we type up show. I type up show notes as the C O O. There you go, Tom. Operations. That's it. Uh, I'm typing up the uh, the notes, you know, prior to every show. Um, and we like to have you know a loose format of of where we want to discuss what we want to discuss and where in the show we think it's appropriate to do so. But we also like to kind of. Go by the seat of our pants a little bit too and 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 find parts where it's like yeah this might be something where we can improv and just yeah. be like this is a conversation that we didn't foresee happening but that happens a lot we're just gonna go at it and 20 minutes later it's like okay there's something we didn't have but we think it's pretty good content you know we're not going to force anything but we like to see something where it's like all right this this seems organic we can go with it or let's just stick to you know pretty much what we've come up with prior to the show absolutely
0: yeah, it's a lot of fun. I love listening to you guys. Let's dive into some headlines right now, beginning with the big one for the Mets fans: the saga around Jacob Degrom's contract extension. Degrom wins the Cy Young, gets a $17 million in arbitration, does not set a long-term deal yet. Comes to camp, is not happy about it. Let's hear what he had to say last week, courtesy of S.N.Y.
3: The line of communication is still open. Um, we have not received an offer, but um, they continue to talk, and um, you know we. Uh, like I've said before, I really enjoy playing here um, and would like to be here, but, you know, that's kind of up to them. Jake, your, your current agent now, Jeff Barry, is kind of outspoken, or, or at least in statement that he made at the end of December about how players have to start looking out for themselves in this climate. I mean, that does become something that you could control, whether it's worrying about how deep you're going in the games, how many pitches you throw, how many innings. Could it get to that point with you as you continue without a contract? Or... Um, You know, I think that's going to be a discussion that's going to have to be had with my agents. It's kind of – that's going to be – I'm going to have to sit down with them and really see what they think is best for me moving forward.
0: All right, Sean, you were shaking your head at the end of that. What is your opinion on this? Mm -hmm. I've always been a DeGrom
2: fan, but I hated every word that he just said. I mean, first of all, from the Mets' perspective, there is absolutely no reason to extend him. Why, why Why? would they extend him? He has two years left of arbitration. Well, he has this year and then next year. He's a free agent after 2020. If he has another great year, he's looking at like a $24 million base salary for 2020. He's thir- he's going to be 32 by the end of his deal. He's already had Tommy John. If, if, I don't understand why the Mets would need to extend him now. If you extend him five years just because your fan base is, cla- is clamoring for it, and he gets hurt three years in, or he falls off a cliff and becomes, you know, a, a number two or three starter, making all this money for a fan or for a franchise, rather, that already has shown they don't like to spend an incredible amount of money. There's no reason to do it. If he's pitching great at the end of 2020, then sign him to a three or four year deal. He's, he just said he loves being there. So test him with that. But as far as the innings limits, that's getting really dangerous for me because now you're you're contradicting yourself. You're you're saying, oh, "I really want to be here. I really want to be here, but I have to do what's best for me." You're under contract for two more years, man. You just got you're making 17 million this year. I think that's a pretty good base salary. You could do it again if you have another great year. The team looks like they've improved and, and you could be pitching win into October. Just don't even put that in your mind, you know? Like you're you're not a year removed from surgery like like Harvey was get out there and pitch and let everything take care of itself later on I don't know how you guys feel but if I'm the Mets I'm not even I'm not going anywhere near an extent uh, a contract extension discussion
1: yeah I, I agree with you man and for me it's this is a big Mets issue because I really don't like what Jacob deGrom said either but it's and I know they made all these additions in the off season and they completely revamped their front office it's like new year same Mets I mean Going back to the Harvey days, and then you got Syndergaard doing whatever the hell he wants and talking out, and now the guy who seems to be soft-spoken, or at least we thought he did, and you said it yourself, I love Jacob deGrom, and he's never done anything like this before. Why do the inmates get to run the asylum? I don't understand it. Honestly, and I'm a Yankees fan, everybody that listens to our podcast knows that I'm a Yankees fan, but... I just feel like this stuff doesn't happen with the Yankees. No. And Even I, if these que- – and reporters are going to bait you, and they're going to ask you these questions. That's just their job. Good job doing – good job by them for getting the sound bite out of them. But if – someone in this if Jacob DeGrom was on the Yankees and he got asked that Sammy Jack the exact question I can almost promise you that the answer wouldn't have been that
2: well Severino came out and blasted him today he said if I was in that situation I would never do that you know I, I'm under contract and I'm gonna pitch and listen arbitration is a pretty tough time for a player you know you're going into a, a situation into a into a room where basically it's representatives from your own team saying why you don't deserve this and 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 your agents are trying to say you deserve this and then you're supposed to kiss and make up and have a lot of and have a really good year he's making he had a really nice pay raise I think he was making 7.2 last year he's gonna be making 17 million this year everything will take care of itself but I think people forget how old he is and how long he's been in baseball he's already had some some major health concerns prior to him coming up in 2014 I wouldn't I wouldn't go anywhere near a contract extension and, and yeah I mean this is you know like watching the inmates run the asylum for lack of a better
0: term again yeah here's my problem with it. I'll give you the I'm going to take Jake's side for a second here you see the way the baseball is going right now with this free agency thing. He's gonna be thirty two when he has a free agent. How how does he know, like, you know what? I may not get paid when I get out there because Dallas Keuchel is sitting out there and he's a free agent. He's asking
2: for five years, 85. He's not worth that. And in this Mm -hmm. landscape of baseball, when you're three years removed from a Cy Young award, you're not going to get that. Dallas Keuchel is a number two two starter on a bad team. He's a number three starter on a good team right now. So if you have have realistic contract demands, you're going to get paid. The reason these guys aren't getting paid is because they're asking for 10-year deals in a landscape where there's smarter GMs and owners that understand, based off track record, can't give a 32-year-old starting pitcher a 6-year deal. You can't give a position player a 10-year deal. I think that's I think that's the biggest thing.
1: Listen, if you go for 2 years, 3 years, get a 45-50 million dollar deal, you'll be fine. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think the other issue that me and Sean kind of have with this is not the fact that Jacob DeGrom wants some financial security and wants to get paid. I'm all for that. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball, and he honestly is underpaid. I think we're more more upset with the fact that he's doing this publicly. This is something that is done behind closed doors. Again, I'm going to go back to the Yankees because they're the best franchise in New York, and, and they're kind of the— the cornerstone and what everybody looks at, This we don't know what goes on behind closed doors. Aaron Judge could be asking for something right now, or, or whoever it may be that their contract is up in a few years. But they don't do it in the media. Well, this Severino one came out of absolutely nowhere. Exactly. No one, No one heard that that. And you don't know that Severino, Severino's agent may have gone to the Yankees and said, we want to get this thing done right now. But Severino didn't go out in the media and say all this stuff on, what, the third day that pitchers and catchers report? Yeah. That's the issue I have with it.
0: All right. Let's move. Before we move on, let's hear from a Met perspective. I, I also pulled a clip from SNY from Brody Van Wagen addressing the Degrom talks. Let's hear what he had to say.
4: Um, my goal is to have Jacob be here for, for the long haul, uh, and we are going to be operating this spring with that uh, with that goal in mind. And you know, regardless of what happens by opening day, we're going to continue to have that have that mindset. You know, from from this chair, uh, I think that he's important to what our plan is and our execution of the win now and win in the future mantra no there have not been offers made yet on either side Uh, and yes Jacob is 100 percent a part of our future now and and hopefully for years to come. Uh, Offers and contract negotiations can be complicated processes it needs to have analysis done on the club side needs to have analysis done on the player side we are still uh, still making, you know, going through our considerations on the club side, and once we have those done, then we'll obviously communicate some of that information to the player and his agent. But there have been discussions already about what we uh, what we'd like him to be a part of, and expressing our desire for him to be. The next steps, we'll have to see where uh, where and when those come.
0: Man, he's a smooth operator. Well, he just yeah. represented De- De- Degrom yeah. for
2: years, so he yeah. knows everything about this guy. If he wants to give him an extension, I just think it's funny to hear him talk, you know, so front officey right after dealing with, you know, GMs for however many years and well, having profile clients, for it. right? Yeah.
1: And I think, you know, to put that in layman's terms, because he did a hell of a lot of dance in there, and he did a really good yeah. job yeah. of it. Is the beginning? I'm not going to curse on this pod, but he goes, Yeah, you know,
0: it's BS. (laughs) Yeah, it's
1: BS and it's no, you know what. Obviously, you want Jacob DeGrom on your team. You have to say that. But basically, you do for two more years. With all this analysis BS and whatever, it's like that basically means, in layman's terms, he's 32 years old and I don't want to give him an extension right now.
2: Well, he's 30 now. He'll be 32 when the deal's done. Yeah, But that's, yeah, I mean, there's no reason to. You're paying him a lot of money now based off the performance. And I think, you know, Mike, to, to your, your statement earlier, GMs are smarter now. They don't want to pay you based off what you've done. They want to pay you based off what they think you're going to do. So Dallas Keuchel asking for a five-year deal, three years removed from a Cy Young award and a year removed where he wasn't that phenomenal, you're not going to find that. You you should be asking for shorter term deals with higher annual salaries where teams are not as scared off by the long term risk, but they're more than happy to take care of you. If Degrom becomes a free agent when he's 32, and yep. the Mets sit down with him and say we want to give you a three year deal, you know 65 million dollars, yeah. great. Awesome, but no, to ask for five or six, then he'll be here in March and not have a job. Yeah, and I, I his think his best days will be behind him, and that's not being that's not being pessimistic. That's
1: being realistic. I think if it keeps going this way, and you mentioned this on our last pod, it's it's either the agents and the players got to get smarter, or there's going to be a work stoppage because the teams have definitely gotten a hell of a lot smarter.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. I mean and and agents are are kind of stuck behind. I mean they I still think that there's it's weird that Harper and Machado aren't getting ten, but it's it's clear that when has when was the last ten year deal to a position player who's already been in the league for eight or nine years actually worked out for the majority of that deal, especially for a small market team.
0: Yeah, they usually don't work out and you brought up Harper and Machado because like we're sitting here, it's February eighteenth we're recording. Neither one of them is still is close to signing. We heard stuff over the weekend about, oh, the Phillies may have offered him 10 for three ten, but until I actually see it and see it locked in, I don't buy it because, like, I know the owner said he wants to spend stupid money, but you know what? He has his stupid money. He's Andrew McCutcheon at 3 for 50. People also big, don't big
2: clearly want to go to Philly.
0: If, yeah, if Machado
2: or Harper really wanted to be in Philly and or Kimbrell or Keichel, they'd be there now because they've been... Out of all the teams that have been most connected to these guys, you know, you're hearing a team with like the Padres or teams like the White Sox. Those are teams that, even if you add a Machado or Harper, are still a couple years away from being true contenders. A team like the Phillies, they have a good young core. They were battling for the NL East into August. You add one of those guys, you're probably winning that division, or you at least have a really good chance to. I just don't think either of them are that high on Philadelphia. It's just going to be a matter of, okay. Musical chairs is done. I don't want to go play for the Padres. I don't want to be a White Sox. Guess I'm going to Philly. But it's not clearly not because they want to be there.
0: Or in Machado's case, I want to be on the Yankees. The Yankees don't want me. Yeah, well, they don't want him for anything close to what he's asking for.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think any. I think saying they don't want me is. That's a little much because yeah. I would definitely, everybody knows that lists are pot. I would take him in a second, but I don't think they want him for, what, 10 years, $400 million or whatever he's asking.
2: No, I don't think they're going to go anywhere near $300 million. I don't think they're going to go near anywhere near 10 years. And the teams that are are teams like the Padres and White Sox. And it, again, if those deals are actually out there and they're not signed, it's clear because they don't want to be there. They just might be forced to.
0: All right, before we move on to our football sec- story here with Colin Kaepernick, let's talk about Luis Severino's contract extension. He has a four-year, $40 million deal with the Yankees. By that arbitration, year free agency. They have a fifth-year option on the deal. It brings a total value to $52.5 million if he-, if he gets picked up. Your reaction to the deal, Tom? Um,
1: Sean's, our, Sean's our deep, in-depth Yankee guy. I'm a fan, but Sean's a uh, fan boy, I'd like to call him. Wow. I guess I will take the lead on this one. I love the deal. I absolutely love the deal. Sean already told me he thinks it's a team-friendly contract. Um, so I, I think it's perfect. I, I think this guy's well outside of his prime still. He's still a young pitcher, and I, I think he's going to get better every year.
2: Fanboy, I'd like to call it the informative, smart-thinking fan on the pod. Okay. But, um, okay. yeah, okay. So, um, But, no, I, I think that – I think that it was the perfect deal for both the Yankees and Severino. A reason being is Severino's trajectory is pointing upward, but he didn't have a good second half of the season this year.
1: That's why I said and he's only going to th- get better.
2: Right, and they were heading into arbitration, and he was one of the very few deals that weren't done yet. So I think they walked into the room and said, listen, you're our biggest, most prized starting pitching possession that we've developed since Andy Pettit. We want you here long-term. We know you want to be here long-term. Let's not deal with the nonsense of arbitration. We want you to go out there, focus on being the ace of the staff and winning a couple championships with us. Go out, pitch your best, knowing we're taking care of you. This doesn't lock them into when he's 35 or 36. He's going to be 28 by the time the deal is done. And I think another thing, too, is if this work stoppage does occur at the end of this CBA, which is at the end of the 2021 season, he's already taken care of when free agency clearly looks like something that's now something players aren't looking forward to, especially when you're young and ready to go. At that point, he'll have set six years in the league, and six and a half years in the league, and teams might look at him and say, yeah, you're still young, and but... Your, your best days have already been played. Your, your best days are not going to be in a five- or six-year deal. So I thought it was great for the Yankees. I think it's a segue for them to keep him for the remainder of his career and also great for him to get his first big deal and not have to deal with the, the nastiness of arbitration.
0: All right, let's move on to the world of football. The next big headline, I talk about the Colin Kaepernick legal settlement here with Tom and Sean from the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. Joining us right now, our legal correspondent, I can't believe this podcast has a little correspondent, but we do. You have a guy who's been on this podcast twice before. He's talked about the Yankees and the Giants. He called me the other day, said, you know what? I have some insight on the Kaepernick situation. Phil Freyetta is here with us. Phil, how are you doing?
3: I'm doing well, Mike. Uh, good to be back.
0: All right. Before we get into it, can I get ready a little bit of your background, just so they know what your qualifications are?
3: Sure. Uh, so, so I'm, a, I'm actually, uh, in addition to being a New York sports fan, I'm an attorney. That's what I do for a living. Uh, I work in a law firm in Manhattan. That practice has been uh, litigation, not exactly the Kaepernick case, but similar stuff, so I uh, I can give some insight.
0: All right, cool. What was your big takeaway when you first heard about the uh, settlement? What was your big reaction to it?
3: Well, so when I first heard about it, I saw reports of 60 to $80 million, and that made me think that Kaepernick uh, basically had the NFL caught red-handed, because nobody pays that kind of a settlement, a settlement unless you've got them pretty much red handed now i saw earlier today that there's some reports walking back on that number so uh without knowing the hard the real number it's hard to say but the fact that there was a settlement uh definitely indicates that at least there's a potential like kaepernick had a had a good case
0: all right so in your opinion what was the big motivating factor here? why you feel like they had to the league felt they had to sell this case
3: so, again, uh, it's, it's hard to really say, and the reason I say that is because one of the misconceptions out about this is that it was going to someday come out in public light. The way that this works is it's done in a private arbitration. Everything's confidential. So I don't know what evidence Kaepernick's uh, legal team dug up, but obviously I can tell you if the NFL paid 60 to $80 million to make it go away, they thought that there was some bad evidence out of it.
0: All right, I'm going to turn it over to these guys. Sean, Tom, you guys have any questions for Phil?
2: Yeah, Phil, uh, this is Sean. Um, Just wanted to ask, were you surprised in the timing of it? Like, this came about, you know, right at the conclusion of the season, basically a couple weeks removed. Uh, Free agency, obviously, is going to start in the next three to four weeks. Uh, Were you surprised by the timing of it?
3: No, not at all. And and the reason I say that is uh, the arbitration trial, if you will, was actually set to start uh, very shortly, and it's Super common that cases settle right before trial.
2: Okay, and the fact that Eric Reed just got a three-year, twenty million dollar deal from the Panthers—do um, you think that had a major driving force into it too? Because that was just a couple days prior to this.
3: That, that from Reed's perspective, you would think that he might say, you know, what do I want to go through with this uh, case for anymore? I got my money. That guy, I got a contract. Maybe, maybe he told his lawyer, let's try and get this thing wrapped up.
1: Hi, this is uh, this is Tom. So I was just curious, um, how much how much hard evidence do you think would kind of contribute to something like this? Because the NFL doesn't really settle uh, at all. I mean, even in the concussion in the concussion things, they they really don't settle. They kind of fought that one off at the beginning heavily. So do you think they had a lot of hard evidence against this? Uh,
3: if if the report of sixty to eighty million dollars is correct, then yes, uh, certainly. If if it was a lesser sum. Maybe not, but one thing that the NFL was probably afraid of is the way that this works is, like I said, it's a private arbitration. But let's say Kaepernick loses that private arbitration, then he can appeal. And once he appeals, it goes into a federal court, and that opens up a lot of the evidence to public public viewing. So I would imagine that the NFL does not want people looking at emails between John Mara and Roger Goodell, for instance.
1: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that, especially if there's any signs of collusion at all.
2: Yeah, and that's where I was going to go with you, Phil. One more uh, one more question from me. Um, you know, when you mentioned the uh, phrase caught red-handed, the first word that came to my mind immediately was collusion. That's exactly why Kaepernick's been in this situation is, you know, this whole case is, is determining whether the entire league and all the owners colluded to, to make sure he didn't get a job. Sixty to eighty million is a is a really big number. Do you think that it was just simply to the point where nobody could make up the fact that he wasn't deserving of at least a tryout anymore because of especially some of the quarterback play that we saw towards the end of the 2018 season?
3: Yeah, uh, yeah, it, 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 and look, collusion is an extremely difficult thing to prove because let's face it, you're talking about very very smart people, the owners they're not going to write in an email, hey, let's collude against Colin Kaepernick. They're smart enough to do, not do that. But there must have been something that made the NFL scared that, hey, there's a chance that we can lose this case. And I would add that I do know back in the summer, the NFL made what they call a motion for summary judgment. That's basically saying to the court, look, court, look at the evidence. Nobody could possibly find that we're going to lose. And the court denied that motion. And that means that the or arbitrator, I should say. That means that the arbitrator thought, well, hey, there's at least something here that I should let this go to a hearing and listen and hear it out. So Kaepernick must have had something.
2: Yeah, I, I thought so. Thank you for entering that. I, I was kind of thinking that.
0: All right, Phil, my last question for you is this. Obviously, you made it pretty clear, you feel like that, that the whole motion, the whole idea behind selling this just to avoid the discovery phase where the wires he get access to all the information that Kaepernick has and get that out in the public with something is not clear, but now that's in sale, now it's off the table. Do you think that this legal settlement will impact his ability to play in the league again?
3: So, my understanding is that it doesn't, and that is actually meaningful, because in most of these, and this is an employment dispute uh, at, its, at its heart. Colin Kaepernick is an employee of the NFL suing the league, uh, or former employee, I should say. But Most settlements in that nature have what they call a no-rehire clause, which is basically, look, we're going to pay you money, but we're not going to rehire you, and you're never going to apply for a job at our company again. And usually the parties accept that, because if you're suing your employer, you probably don't want to work there. But I've heard that in this particular settlement that's not the case, and that's an interesting little side fact that makes... Some people say means maybe Kaepernick didn't get as much money as you want, but on the flip side... The guy probably just wants to play football. He feels like he's been wrongfully excluded from the league for three, four years now. So he may just want to play, and that may have been a, a, a must for him.
0: All right, Phil, I know you got to run. Thank you for the time. Much appreciated. Help me clear up this legal aspect of the Kaepernick situation.
3: Thank sure, you. Uh, anytime, Mike. Thanks, Phil. All
0: right, I'm going to let you go. That was Phil Frietta talking about the legal settlement. What's your reaction, you guys, to that whole discussion we had?
1: I find it really interesting, and I wanted to ask your guys' opinion more on the NFL as a whole. Uh, I think it's great that Kaepernick did get this settlement because, although he said, you know, you can't prove collusion, I think it was pretty obvious to all of us that there was some collusion against them, especially when you're watching guys like... I mean, Brian Hoyer got a lot of starting time two years ago in the NFL, and a few others. Josh Johnson hadn't
2: played in seven years, yeah, and was starting for the Redskins at the end of the season.
1: I mean, exactly. Just show a couple of tapes of those guys, and I think that's Matt Barkley was unemployed. Yeah. And so, I just want to look at this more from an NFL standpoint as a whole. Now, since pretty much Ray Rice, the NFL has had a lot of egg on its case, and I know these guys, the guys that this has no correlation to any of this, but from Ray Rice and all the domestic cases going into Deflategate and also you have the Julian Edelman case with PEDs, do you think that the NFL is going to take more of a conservative stance and try and get things out of the news in a bad way, more quickly, as opposed to trying to drag these things out and drag their feet like they did with Greg Hardy, Ray Rice, um, all these other guys. I mean, you have the list goes on. And Deflategate as well, which seemingly went on for an entire summer, um, and, and went to court and all this other stuff. So, do you think that they're going to try and, I guess, shove these under the rug, either pay the money out, get the suspensions out of the way, and kind of do the right thing a little bit more quickly?
2: Nah, man, I I'm never given the NFL that much credit, and and you know from our discussions, no, you're right. Uh, I don't believe that. I think what you know, hearing Phil's takes on on the multiple questions that were asked, I, I think for the most part is they just couldn't go any further with this. I mean, this was prob this year of 2018 was probably their worst case scenario as as far as the Kaepernick situation went because of the quarterback play that we saw. I mean teams were anemic offensively a lot of them were and and there was you know you can say what you want about Colin Kaepernick being able to win a Super Bowl I, I think those days are behind him he hasn't played in the league but if he can't even get tryouts I mean they're past the point now where where you can where you can possibly say yeah I mean this guy's not even getting a shot we how many times did we say that on our pod during the summer and into the fall dude I mean it's not you just hit a certain threshold and i don't think the domestic violence or the assaults are going to change because reuben foster got signed in a few days and then we just kareem talked about kareem absolutely. hunt
0: as the bulk of our show last week so i don't know mike what how about you man i don't know from my opinion i just feel like it's interesting that now we finally have resolution on this thing we heard the rumor over the over the weekend that he turned down the aaf because he wanted 20 million dollars to plan out league. everybody's getting two hundred fifty thousand dollar contracts so i mean like i don't know if with him what the motivation is because like He clearly wants to get paid, but at the same time, like, he doesn't want to he go. He believes he can still play in the NFL though. Yes. That, I think yes. that's
2: a, I think that's the biggest thing. I don't think he wanted to go to the AAF because I don't think he he believes that he's a upstart player. I mean, you see Christian Hackenberg getting starts for for an AAF team. He doesn't think that, you know, they'd even belong in, in the same parking lot, you know. So he's probably yeah. saying I I deserve a chance I think to he's play in the him. NFL.
1: To be honest, I think next year he's going to get a tryout after all this is said and done, especially with what Phil said. I mean, the guy still has a chance to play. And in most cases, when you're suing a company or whatever, you're never going to even speak to them again. But in this situation, there's no other NFL. And I think he's going to get another tryout, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I mean, can we argue? There's not 64 better quarterbacks in the world than Colin Kaepernick right now.
2: Hell no. No. Not even close. God, no. I mean, we were saying that this (laughs) whole year. I mean, it was like Matt Barkley... Didn't have a job. I mean, Derek Anderson had played. He did light played. up the Jets, though. He did light up. The well, Jets. that's not hard to do. But then you. Then <laughs> I mean, Nate Peterman started games. Exactly, <laughs> and, and the yeah, crazy yeah. thing is, it's not even the fact that these guys just keep these guys get to play. It's the fact that they keep getting jobs. Yeah. I mean, these guys are getting you know signed to waiver sheets. I, I don't need to see Nathan Peterman play in the NFL again. I, I'm good, you know. But I I would like to see what Colin Kaepernick could do if he had to step out on
0: the field.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just look at the the Baltimore Ravens. Is RG three. Yeah, RJ
0: three a, is a roster spot. I think that's literally the perfect spot you brought him. I think Baltimore with that system. Well, that was supposed to he, be. He was gonna. He was, he
2: was gonna to get go a try tryout. Yeah. And, and then, then that something got happened off. with the ownership group and, and Harbaugh, and, and it and it got nixed. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah he had to try with Seattle too, where he didn't get a contract from them as well. I think reportedly the the thing that came out was that they wanted him to stop kneeling, and he said no.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, but that was when he. I mean, that's the tough part with Kaepernick now is. Was, were you doing this so that you could play again, or were, was the whole reason that you settled this case is because you're still trying to bring awareness to what you originally tried to bring awareness to, which is complete, you know, ignorance and, and a lot of racial divide and well, why not both and though? issues. Well, no, because I think he's. I think his goal was a, a bigger stand. I mean, I, if you gave him truth serum, I don't think he believed that by kneeling he was going to be out of the league in oh, two no, years. I'm
1: in agreement with you. I think I'm, it's an honorable thing, and I think what he did putting his job on the line clearly was tremendous for, for what he believed in, but at the same time, why can't he have both? In this situation, what they did to him was wrong. Why can't he have another chance to play in the NFL, or at least prove himself? Well, that's the interesting point. I mean, now that he has the settlement,
2: I, I don't know... Is his goal like, okay, I got my money and to go? Because now you got to start making sure you're bringing that money to those impoverished areas, to those places where you're seeing... Well, he's you, done the
1: right thing and he's donated a lot of money to charity. We said that on our pod last week. The only stupid thing he did was wear that Fidel Castro t-shirt right. in Miami. But now I'm looking I'm
2: looking to see... No, I'm not disagreeing with you. I am just want to see from, from this point forward, now that this has been taken care of, is he continuing to take those steps in the community and society, which is where he really wanted to go with it from his initial point, or whether it's okay, this was all about just this, you know, settlement was really just a point of getting back into the NFL. You're right. I don't think there's, I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. I think you could do both, but I'm not really sure what his higher, higher ground is right now.
0: I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Right. All right. Let's move on to our last headline of the opening tip here. The NBA all-star weekend. I know you guys do a lot more basketball than I do. <laughs> I have not, I've done very little NBA on this podcast, but I will admit I always tune into All Star Saturday Night. I feel like that's one of my favorite things of the year. Did you enjoy it? I actually enjoyed it. the yeah, three, the three point fun. the three point contest was my favorite, and seeing Joe Harris win was fun. My boy, yeah, it's a big, matter right <laughs> there. Yep. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, I, I love the All Star weekend because it's kind of the the um, NBA's version of, I guess, Super Bowl week. Because um, the Pro Bowl is absolute garbage and it should never be played again. But. You know, the NBA does a really good job when it comes to their all-star weekend and everything. The dunk contest hasn't been good, in my opinion.
0: Well, that's because nobody does from, it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, you had your Zach Levine years. That was fun. Your Dwight Howard. But to be honest with you, since Vince White Carter— Griffin. since Griffin. Well, even that, man. Since Vince Carter, so when he did that in 2000 in Golden State, it hasn't been the same. I think he his was the apex and it just they will never get to that point again.
2: Well, it's hard because you mentioned the Zach Levines. I mean, he he became a household name from the dunking and he's a good player in Chicago, but he's it, the the problem is is it's what we're starting to see in the home run derby now a lot of the big names don't want to do it i mean the premier home run hitters in baseball is maybe do it one year or two years and call it quits because there's no incentive for them if they lose and embarrass themselves they just are like why did i do that i should be resting and relaxing i don't want to have it mess up my swing yeah and here you have these guys like you said they just want to they just want to go to Charlotte or wherever the wherever the site is and enjoy themselves for a couple of days, play a couple minutes in the All-Star game, have fun. And if you're telling LeBron James, he's got to go out and dunk well, and, the, and put on a show. Yeah. Yeah. That's not his prerogative. And the other thing is also that there's nothing he
1: can gain from yeah. that. I was listening to uh, Dwayne Wade, and they asked him why he never did a go- dunk contest. And he said, I'm an in-game dunker. I'm not creative. And if you're going to go out there and just be Dwayne Wade, but you're not going to be creative, then you're going to make yourself look like an ass. Yeah. And, I mean, that's understandable. And I think these, these guys like Zach Levine go in there to get their name. But these other guys that are already big, why would you go in there if you know you're not going to be creative? And it's the same thing with baseball. Why are you going to go in there and and swing until you slip a disc in your back when you're a line drive hitter? You know, you're not even these guys. I mean, you got look at these guys and they are home run hitters. But Robinson Cano, although he won it, isn't a home run hitter. He's a line drive hitter. I know he won the, the contest, but certain guys, they're just they're not built for that. Right. Yeah,
2: I, I don't think you're going to see a guy like a uh, like Carter. a Kevin Durant going in and having no. to win a dunk contest. I mean, he doesn't have the yeah. bounce either. Yeah. Kevin
1: Durant can't do those kind of dunks sometimes. But, I mean, if you look at a guy like a Dwayne Wade or or another guy like a Damian Lillard or, well, Damian Lillard won it, but another star, I mean, maybe they're just not creative. So I think it's that, and they just don't have an incentive to do it. So, uh, in my opinion, the most fun is the, the three-point shooter at this point, like you said. You still get yeah. your Steph Currys doing that.
2: Yeah. Cause and they
0: Cause all have All you got to do is shoot. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they do that every day in practice. They shoot the threes all the time. I mean, yeah. like, I I think I have a theory on how to fix the dunk contest. Like, how the LeBron contest was broken for a year and for years until they put the clock on it, and the clock made the thing a lot better. I feel like what you have to do to get these big names in is you have to make it, like, for charity and say, like, LeBron, like, you know, like, we will give you a million dollars to your ch- to your charity of choice if you participate in the dunk contest this year and do that for like these big guys. The NBA could afford to do it, and there's no reason why LeBron would look like a dick if he said, you know what, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to screw charity. I think in, I think in
2: theory but that's a great idea. But, like a, but yeah. yeah, I think in theory that's a great idea. I just still think with the amount of money that LeBron James is worth, a million dollars to charity, he's like, eh, I'll just donate five of my own. And not do the dunk contest. I mean, I think, you know, like, I think it depends on, I think they should try to attract. More of those mid-tier stars that we see, not necessarily the brand names. Yeah, like an Andrew Wiggins or something. Yeah, I like think that. he would be fun to watch. I mean, but you're getting your, you know, no offense to Hamadou Diallo, but to go out there and 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 dunk, I, I forgot that he was even in the league. You know, like yeah. I don't yeah. really think of him. And I could like, watch. Wow, the,
1: I could have watched the G League All Star yeah. game on NBA TV if I wanted to. Right. You, know, you don't. You want to see the names in there, but. Jordan, the Michael Jordans and the Vince Carters and the Dominiques aren't doing it anymore. So I don't really know how you can solve that. Charity's a good idea, but again, LeBron could just throw $5 million around like I could throw you 5 bucks. you know?
0: Well, the question before we move on to the actual talk, talk the actual NBA How ridiculous was the Papa Shot thing they were doing with Shaq and uh, Kenny Smith and like whoever celebrities they were with? Because they have no idea who they bring out in the court half the time.
1: It's, I mean, listen, the, mm. the NBA is a global game and they're, they're just trying to get names out there. That's why 2 Chains was out there and Quavo. It was cute. It was stupid. It's an but, event. I mean, that's more TNT than it is the NBA, so...
0: But Papa Shot, really?
1: Well, they had the Papa Shot. I mean, I'm not trying to make excuses for the league here. It was dumb. <laughs> but they had the Papa Shot champion and all that other dumb stuff, so... Yeah.
2: I, I think it's just an event to get your celebrities out there, to have your stars. I mean, especially, yeah. you know, you're... It's in like your, Super Bowl week. Right. You have your hip-hop world and the and the and the, and basketball players, you know, they're, they're very interconnected. They... They're global icons, so if you can just get them in the same gym and, and do something like a pop a shot, clearly people are watching it enough for them to still be doing it.
1: Yeah, and I think it was more like, let's get Quavo and Two Chains involved. How do we do that? Oh, pop a shot. Well, like, that's our. I think that was just a side
2: thing, and that's our biggest thing with the Pro Bowl. Like we every year talk about how awful it is and how it should never be played again, and yet it outdraws literally everything else on TV that weekend by tenfold when it's on. Whether yeah. it's people just like oh, I guess I'll watch it because it's on. But for whatever reason they're watching it, they are watching it, and well, it draws really yeah. well.
1: They also put it at the perfect week that you possibly could because it's right after the championship weekend, and you got a lull between Super Bowl, and uh, some they people could, are starving. They could, they for they could put
2: it in March, and people would watch that. No,
1: you're right, but I think that's why people, more people watch it is just because you're, you're still in football mode, and it's like it's either this or nothing, so right. they just watch yeah. it.
0: All right, let's move on. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the NBA season. and You guys let me catch up on what I've missed because I really have seen very little about the NBA. So <laughs> All right. That's why I brought you guys here primarily so to help educate me on the NBA season. We'll do Sounds that right good. after this. Gerald Green to inbound. Harden trying to get free. Down to three. Down to two. It's a three. Good! Good! He got it! James Harden up. Rockets by one with one
3: second to go And they went for
0: the win James Harden With two warriors
3: draped on him Finds a way to get this to go down
0: All right, and we're back with Sean Sean Rowe, Tom Bacchino from the Sorry Interrupt Podcast. We are talking about the NBA now. You guys heard James Harden's epic game-winning three against the the, board. I love the flamethrower. The flamethrower. Kevin Harlan. So good. The, The man, Kevin Harlan from TNT. Again, I've not done much NBA. I'll tell you guys what I know about this season. This is basically the Knicks stink. The Warriors are good? The Warriors are good. <laughs> and LeBron's trying to trade for half the league. That's about as much as I know. So, okay. So I've got some questions for you guys. You've got those down. <laughs>
1: yeah, you're right so far. Yeah, I can't <laughs> argue with any of those.
0: Okay, so here's what I, here's what I know. I'm going to ask – I have questions that line up. I looked at the standings of the other day. I'm trying to figure out some stuff. I'm going to ask you guys your questions here. So number one for me, since this is a New York area podcast, I want to ask about the Brooklyn Nets first. Are they for real? Yes. And that's not just because I'm a quote-unquote
2: fanboy, as Tom would like to say. Um – here's the deal with the Brooklyn Nets I mean they're starting to finally get love from around the league um they're right now in the sixth spot in the east they're finally getting healthy Karis Levert's come back and starting to get his feet underneath them after that really bad injury back in November D'Angelo Russell has turned into a literal all-star he was on the all-star team yesterday and uh Joe Harris won the three-point shootout as a guy who was in the G League multiple times Spencer Dinwiddie is out right now, but having a, a fantastic year. And you're getting contributions from role players like a Damari Carroll, like an Alan Crabb who's back from injury. Uh, Jared Allen is just developing into one of the game's good young centers. Still needs to clean up some offensive part of his game, but uh, known for his blocks. They're a really fun team to watch, and they have – the foundation of what you look for when teams start to build right so you have a gm who everybody trusts and and trusts his process and what i liked about this year is he didn't do anything crazy at the trade deadline he knows this is not a team that's winning a championship this year and he's not going to skip steps in their quest for max free agents to you know maybe win a couple more games and and lose in the first round again like the previous regime with billy king did Kenny Atkinson is one of the most respected head coaches in the league, has that team playing really hard, and they have for, really, ever since they've been coached by him, um, the teams were not that good, but you could always say they played hard, and now they start to, you're starting to uh, reap some of the benefits, and then for what I said, too, they're not just real for this year, are they going to win a championship? No, and I I probably wouldn't even predict them to win a first-round series unless they played a team that I felt pretty good with them going up against, I know they've had some success against the Sixers this year, but... They're in position to lock up D'Angelo Russell, who's one of the game's best young point guards, to a max Max deal. And then you also are going to be in a situation to get another max player. And if you look at putting down the league, players want to go play where they're going to have the most fun playing basketball. Brooklyn, their training facility is literally right near the Barclays Center. It's brand new, so you don't have to commute down to Westchester like the Knicks do. And... It, everything's brand new. Everything's beautiful. They, the, the coach is great. The GM's great. And they have a really good young nucleus where even if they don't land a Kevin Durant or a Clay Thompson, maybe they're getting you a Jimmy Butler or a Tobias Harris, something like that, to go with Levert, to go with Allen, to go with Russell, to go with Dinwiddie, to go with Joe Harris. They're, they're building. They're absolutely building in the Eastern Conference, and some of these teams have made win-now moves. I don't know how long the Raptors are going to be around. I don't know how, how long the Pacers, especially if Oladipo never comes back to be full health. They're going to they're gonna have a nice little run here in the East. I don't know if it will manifest in a championship, but they're real now, and, and they're real going forward.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I think they're going to be about a top-five team in the East for the years to come, probably going forward to next year. They're for real this year. They're definitely going to make the playoffs, and they're probably going to give a They're not going to win a first-round playoff series, but they're going to give a top-tier team like a Milwaukee Bucks, Toronto Raptors, Sixers a run for their money because they play their asses off. And they're really well coached. They're really good in close games, although they were terrible at the beginning of the season. But after um, after a few slides, you told me that they had a team meeting with Jared Dudley. Seems like they've completely turned that around. So they're definitely for real this year. As for going forward, I have to see what they do in free agency. I have to see who they can But you pull still in.
2: feel good about their young nucleus. I do That's feel the good thing. About like they don't nucleus. have.
1: But there's a difference between complete competing every year for a four seed and actually competing for a conference championship. Right. So depending on how for real they are, I think they're a pre- playoff team for the next six years if they can re-sign DeAndre Russell, which I think they will. I just think that I have to see. If they can get a guy like Kawhi... Out there who who is, has some nets ties who has some nets ties and is a guy who doesn't seem to want to be in the spotlight doesn't seem to want to be on a huge team or a Jimmy Butler who's kind of fallen out of favor with most of the league and maybe they can get him because it's kind of a last resort. And he would be a good for piece for the Nets because he
2: doesn't need to. He maybe wants to compete. be the alpha dog and the Nets don't have one. So you know if he he probably wouldn't work well with the he's clearly not having the kind of year we thought he would with I mean he's playing very well but you can see him and Embiid clash a little bit him and Simmons clash a little bit well yeah and
1: we'll talk about that a little further on but Butler should be taking the role of guarding the other team's best guy and saying I'll do whatever it takes to win and he still thinks he's on Chicago or Minnesota where he's the it's winning time go-to but if he goes to to if he goes to
2: the Nets that is his team
1: Mm -hmm. absolutely which I don't know if that's a good thing though
2: no, I don't know. But you're, if you're in contention and you're in the conversation for getting some of these soon-to-be max free agents, that means you're doing something right. Oh, yeah.
1: They're definitely on the come-up because, I mean, two years back, if I had told you that, you would have taken it in a heartbeat. They haven't had any of their own picks. Yeah, this was
2: the. <laughs> first year. I mean, literally, they, like, <laughs> that's, and Tom and I go go at it, you know, talking about the Knicks and Nets and who's the better destination, and it's like the Nets literally have not had their own first-round pick in years. They've had to buy first-round picks or take first-round picks late in the first round You know where they found a Karis LeVert or a, or a Jared Allen. The fact that they've been as bad as they've been, winning 15 games, 20 games, 22 games, and not even having your first-round pick where you should be drafting in the top four every year. They've developed this team with basically nothing. I thought they weren't going to be good again until 2020, yeah. and they're they're sitting in a sixth seed, which is a testament to coaching because they have a lot of nice players, but they don't have any superstars.
0: Not even close. No. All right, let's move on to the rest of the Eastern Conference. You mentioned the Nets are not the favorite, obviously, which I would agree with based on my limited knowledge of the season. So, Tom, who do you think is the best team in the East right now?
1: For me, especially after the trade deadline, I'm going to take the Milwaukee Bucks. I... Love the way their new head coach is playing them. Last year they had an absolute joke at head coach, especially after Kidd was fired and all that other good stuff. Um, They are playing through Giannis completely. And – That's the way they should be doing it. Giannis is their primary pretty much ball handler aside from Eric Bledsoe. He's also their rim protector. He plays inside the paint. They spread it five wide, and they have a bunch of shooters around him. Chris Middleton was an all-star this year, and he's another guy that can knock down a shot. And that Miritich acquisition was massive because that's a guy that can play crunch time minutes. He's been in big games before, and he can bang a three. And he's perfect for that team. And Giannis is also probably a top two MVP candidate, so I'm going to go with the Milwaukee Bucks.
2: Yeah, that's not a bad that's not a bad pick. I mean, and you forgot to mention Brook Lopez, who's a three point specialist yes. and talk about <laughs> spreading the floor. Yeah, Jeez. he has
1: turned himself into that. Yeah,
2: it, it's crazy how deep they are now, especially at those stretch positions. But I'm actually going to I'm going to go with the Toronto Raptors. And to be honest, I, I still don't love the fact if I'm a Raptor fan that Kawhi's not playing second half of back to backs. Which tells me in a bigger scheme that he's leaving. Because if you're at this far in the season and you're still not playing back to backs, I don't think he's 100% invested. Well, but they don't do back when to he's backs on in the playoffs. Right. But I still think, listen, when you're fighting for a number one seed, you got to be out there. You are your team's best player. Um, but that acquisition of Marcus All for them, he does things that Valanchunas couldn't do. And. He may not be as athletic, but I think he's reinvigorated being now in a playoff spot and also being a hired gun. Listen, it's hard for guys who have had a lot of success in this league to go suit up every night and play for a bad team in front of no fans like he was in Memphis. No matter how many you know how much he loved it there, it, it's it was time to go. And now he's thrust into a playoff race to possibly win the Eastern Conference and. I tell you, his first game as a Raptor was against the Nets, and the Nets had that game won if it wasn't for Marcus Saul. They just could not stop him at the very end before Kawhi Leonard hit a, uh, a buzzer, beater, uh, jump shot to win it. But that acquisition, I didn't know how big it would be for them, but it's and he can hit the three. He can really step out and hit the three too, which gives them that matchup that they can go at with uh, with Milwaukee. So I'm looking at the Raptors, but both of those teams I think are in the driver's seat
0: cool let's go to the west for a minute for a little bit because a lot there's like a lot more interesting stories around here in the west back in my preview pocket the nba back i think in october i did it was like i actually did a full nba shit segment on this show was martino puccio stopped by talking about the nba gave me his sleeper as the denver nuggets and i looked at the standings and the nuggets are second place in the western conference how are they doing so well out there
1: Noli Jokic is incredible. Uh, he's probably going to be first or second team All-NBA, depending on how well Joel Embiid play- Embi plays out of the center position. Um, they run their offense through him, and he's a different type of center than I think we've honestly ever seen before, aside from possibly Bill Walton. Sabonis was really old, the older Sabonis, when he played. Um He's just incredible, an incredible playmaker. He can bang the three, and when you run an offense through a big man like Giannis, who's pretty much a big man, it just completely changes the game because you're pulling out rim protectors, and these guys can cut all day. Another guy that's huge on there is Jamal Murray. He, he can heat up and give you 40 any night. Um, and their supporting cast is really good as well. I mean, Gary Harris and Will Barton, these guys can play on both sides of the ball. Those are two legit two-way players. And I just really like this team. They're really deep, and they're a lot of fun to watch. Are they going to win the finals this year? No. Are they even going to win the West this year? No. But I think they can compete for that number one seed, just because I think Golden State doesn't really give a damn about the uh, about the regular season anymore. You know, they're going to turn it up when it comes to the playoffs. And I think we can all probably agree that they're going to win the finals this year. But yeah, the Denver's are, Denver's definitely for real, and it has a lot to do with the fact the way the team's built and who their best player is.
2: Yeah, and and to to just go off that, I I think a lot of it has to do with the West is, albeit deep, but not nearly as good as I thought it was going to be. You know, the Lakers right now are on the outside looking in of a playoff spot.
1: Well, that's a LeBron groin kind of thing. Right,
2: but, you know, you have a team like, like the Sacramento Kings that nobody, nobody saw. I mean, they're, but they're, they're a really good team, but they're not great by any stretch. So a lot of the other teams, I mean, the Spurs are a good team. Um, you know, Houston has been winning because of James Harden being an insanely good and playing towards an MVP with the streak that he's put together this year. But again, you know, that's not, that's not a, a, a juggernaut by any stretch of the imagination. So I think aside from the Warriors, you don't have that top-heavy Western Conference that we that we've seen the last few years, where you have a Warriors and a Spurs, or a Warriors and a Rockets. You know that last year it was Warriors, Rockets, and literally nobody else. Yeah. So I mean, the Jazz are starting to find their way a hey little man, bit let's now. Let's not but, forget
1: about OKC. Paul George is straight true, balling. He true. True. Yeah, he's playing like an, an MVP. And Russell Westbrook has taken on a little less—I don't want to say less of a role, but more of a facilitator role—and playing a lot harder defense. Which I never expected from a guy who he only cares some about stats. From what it seems like, he does deserve a lot of credit. And that team, I think that team, honestly, behind the Golden State Warriors, is the second best team in the West.
2: Probably, but there, and that's the thing though, with with the Nuggets, like you're. I don't look at any of those other teams and say, yeah, you're you're markedly better. I mean, they all have flaws and they all have a lot of strengths, and and I think Denver. I wouldn't be surprised to see Denver get to the Western Conference Final.
1: I would. Would you? Absolutely. I just don't think they're ready, and I don't think they have the player. When it comes to the playoffs, things slow down. You're not going to see 128-point games every single night. And I think that Jokic, you watched him in the All Star game, and I know that really doesn't matter. I but was just going to say I'm he not doesn't look like anything. he doesn't look like he's ready for the moment, and I don't think there's any other go to guy on that. And I think if you see them in a second round series with OKC, OKC wipes the floor with them.
2: Well, we're gonna have to see, but I, I, I'm based all off of, on Paul, based of, George this year. based off what they've done this year, I can't really look at look at Denver and say, yeah, you're you don't have what it takes. Philly to me in the East reeks of a team that is a second round exit. Boston, maybe even two. But I don't look at, I, when I'm looking at the West, I, I don't see any of these teams markedly better than the other.
1: Yeah, I agree with you on Philly. Aside, I of think, course, from Golden State. I think Philly's the, um, the classic on paper team. Like, if you put that team together when you do a fantasy draft on 2K, you're not going to lose a game when you simulate it. But again, Jimmy Butler wants more touches. J.J. Reddick needs more touches coming off screens. And Bede's obviously pissed off about his touches. Simmons can't do anything without the ball because he can't shoot from more than 10 feet out. And then you added another guy. Who is shooting 25 shots a game in Tobias Harris. So, it, it's a mismatched team. They don't have a good bench. But as for Boston, I think Gordon Hayward's really going to start to turn it around. You've been saying this the whole year. Did you watch the Sixers game? I did. But Hayward
2: exploded. I also saw them lose to, lose to L.A. Some, when, when to, both L.A. You, teams. I promise
1: you, Hayward will play a lot better come playoff time, and that team... As long as Stevens can figure it out, you know my basketball father, as long as Stevens can figure it out, I think rotationally, I think the Celtics will be in the conference
2: All right, we'll see. But I'm just saying out west, I don't think Denver's marketably worse than any of those other contending teams. I just
1: don't think they're going to the conference finals because when— But
2: if they were there, would you be like, oh, my God, this is incredible. I
0: can't believe they're here?
1: No. Okay, that's that's all I meant. All right, fine, Sean. (laughs)
0: All right, let's go on to my question. next question here, which is the last spot in the playoffs in the West. Who do you think is more likely to get it, the Lakers or the Kings? Oh, man. That's a good question. <laughs>
2: Shoot, right now, I don't know. Right now, I'm going with the Kings. Me too. I, I, mean, I really am because they don't have a LeBron James, but their supporting cast and overall makeup of that team is so much better than the, the Lakers. The Lakers
1: are crazy. They, The Lakers do are not getting enough grief for how terribly they've been run since um, I guess when they got Dwight Howard. I mean, they've they've traded pick after pick. They signed Golf. Oh I'll take D'Angelo Russell. Thank you. Absolutely. Um. And, I mean, all these moves that they made, they have not done a good job drafting. Brandon Ingram has not panned out as well as they wanted. The best player they've drafted is Kuzma, which was a Nets pick. Yeah, I know. Um, and, and, I mean, I think for LeBron at this point, I think if the Lakers don't win, like, eight of their next ten games and start to really go on a roll – He's going to hone it in and just plan for next year because LeBron was probably locked into getting Anthony Davis at the trade deadline.
2: I think that's another big reason why I, I could see the Kings get in that spot. The Kings play – they're they they are are my doppelganger for the Nets in the West. They have – Yeah, they play they hard. They play hard. They have a lot of young guys that haven't been there before, but they have a lot of energy. They don't get tired. And I look at that Laker team, I see a lot of guys who, yeah, they have the experience, but they don't have the experience of having to win games by themselves with the exception of LeBron and Rondo back in his Boston days. And I don't think those guys are, are going to be he- healthy or invigorated enough to, to win. And and I think I could see a team like the Kings just running them off the floor on a couple nights. And then you have all those chemistry issues where, you know, it's it was made very public that those who was going to be traded to Anthony Davis and what seemed like a foregone conclusion and now you're now you're telling them to rally around LeBron and when LeBron was like I want these guys gone
1: so I'm grabbing the Kings as well because I like the Kings I wouldn't be surprised if like with 17 games left LeBron's groin, bar quotes, starts mm-hmm. acting up again and they just shut him down and, for the year.
2: And you know how I feel about De'Aaron Fox. I love some, I love me some oh, De'Aaron he's dog, Fox. And, he's a fighter. And Buddy Healds had a tremendous year. They traded for Harrison Barnes who has championship pedigree and is still a very good player who they got from the Bagley Mavericks. Looks really good too. And Bagley who I didn't think was going to be, I thought he had bust written all over him and he, and he sure as hell is not Luka Doncic, but he's he's had a really nice year. Willie Cauley-Stein has had a really nice year. That team's good, they play hard, and they're fun to watch. So I can't believe I'm saying this, but LeBron James might be on the outside looking into the postseason. That's crazy. After eight straight years in the finals, not in the playoffs.
0: Okay, that's definitely interesting. I would be, Must be more interesting to see the NBA without LeBron in the playoffs. He needs a break. And let's talk about the next thing I'm more curious about. The Explain to me the James Harden streak. I know in the, the context of that.
1: So that's the 30-point game yeah. streak we're talking yeah. about, yeah. right? So basically, I mean, to put it the easiest way possible, the Houston Rockets were decimated by injury, and they were playing with D-League players. Their best, their second-best player was who, Austin Rivers, after they traded PJ for P.J. Tucker, him. yeah. PJ, I, I, I'll give it to P.J. He's had a Tucker because he's, he's very good um, defensively, and he can shoot the three. James Harden basically has been carrying this team on his back and doing all that he can almost all the, the entire season since Eric Gordon got hurt and Clint Capella got hurt. And Chris Paul. Well, Chris Paul was hurt the whole entire first part of the season. Right, that's what I mean. Who is subsequently back in the last week, but James Harden just basically is their best option, and they said the ball's going to be in your hands at all times. Go get us this win. That's it. His usage rate is through the roof. It's it's getting near um, a record years where Kobe was at about 40%, MJ was at about 40% once, and I think Harden's sitting at like 39.8 before the All Star break. So, I mean, they have to use him a lot. That's the difference. I mean, that's the only way they're gonna win. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just from an
2: individual standpoint, it's very, it's a, it's absolutely incredible. I, I haven't enjoyed. Watching it because I don't love that style of basketball. I don't love just the iso But that doesn't take anything away from how remarkable what he's doing is on top of that, too Like you said he's had to so it I I thought once Paul went down It was over for them, you know, I am but Harden has single-handedly kept them going He this is not sustainable though. Let's appreciate this record for what it is Let's appreciate this season for what it is but he is not going to be able to do this into the playoffs. He's just going to run out of gas. I mean, he's playing, you said his usage rate. It's insane. And he's, and he's on the floor all the time. And it's going to cost him come playoff time, which it usually does for him. That's that's usually when he kind of goes away. Um, I also don't really like getting caught up in people being as hyperbolic as they are about this streak. Is it the best thing ever? Listen, he gets to take five to six steps every time he shoots. And he also, if you graze him on the on his beard, you get a foul called on him. I don't think he was going to be doing this if he was going up against those Pat Riley Knicks teams in the '90s or the Bad Boy Pistons, where if you went down the lane, you got armbarred in the face and taunted as you as you had to run back on defense. The the way that the league is, it's it's very tailor-made for elite scorers to beat elite scorers. It's not taking anything away from them, but we can't forget that. This isn't the 80s. This isn't the 90s. This isn't even the mid-2000s when Kobe was doing this stuff. This is a different brand of basketball. They let him get away with everything, uh, and he uses it to his advantage and better than basically everybody else in the
0: league this year. All right. Last question about the Western Conference. Can anyone take down Golden State? I'm going to say no. I would agree <laughs> with you. No. No.
1: That's a simple one. Adding DeMarcus Cousins basically at the trade deadline was basically their acquisition, and I said on our podcast I think they were going to rip off 25 wins in a row. They lost a stupid game to the 76ers, but this guy has, I don't want to say reinvigorated this team because I don't think they really needed to be reinvigorated when this team probably could win the championship without him, but he's put a spark back in them, and that's he's, he's a different aspect than they've ever had before. I mean, playing JaVale McGee at the center or Zaza Pachulia is not the Marcus Cousins where this guy will punish not, you huh? on a screen. No, they are not <laughs> similar players. This guy will punish you on a screen. He can also handle the ball. He can pass. He's a great passer. I mean – he can shoot the three. He can do he can anything do everything. on the floor. He, would, he was a max player before
2: his Achilles gave out last he's year. He's
1: probably still a max player. And he might be. He's playing at like 80% right now, and he's still probably, what, the fourth best center in basketball? You remember
2: the 2012-2013 Heat? It was their third year altogether, and it was just kind of boring for them. And then, like, they had people were saying, ah, how you know, let's just get me until – get me into June I, I'm not really interested in this and it was the first time you started to hear this little jawing about Chris Bosch not enjoying his you know how much t- how many touches he was getting in the playing time and whatnot and then they just decided you know what we're only going to be here together for how long let's just say give the middle finger to the world and they won 27 straight games that's how I feel about this team you get into the start of the season you've got Durant chirping with Draymond Draymond saying you're already one foot out the door KD dealing with his stuff with the media there's been more drama around the Warriors this year than has been in the last few years that KD's been there whose team is it really Steph's playing like an MVP KD's doing his thing while free agent rumors swirl and now you bring Boogie Cousins in Just as January comes, which is the complacency level where it's like, all right, these games aren't that fun. We know they're going to be there at the end of the season. And now they just say, you know what, who cares who's going to be where next year? Who cares what's going to happen in six months? We probably feel that we're going to win the finals, but let's just do something that can't be done by other teams and just give that middle finger to the rest of the league and just go all out. And I think Boogie Cousins, if he doesn't embody that entire mantra,
0: I don't know who else does. All that
1: right. team
0: is ridiculous. Yeah,
1: so to answer your question,
0: no. No, I did not think so. And before we move on, my last one, I have to talk about the Knicks a little bit. The only thing I had to Oh, like, Tom, I'm... you get more Knicks yeah. talk,
2: man. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. All right, <laughs> let's go. All
0: right, last thing. The Chris Osborne is Porzingis straight. Now that we have about two weeks out from this, I remember when it first came out, I was killing this trade. I thought this was a very dumb idea. But the more I think about it, the more I kind of like it, just for the fact that, like, Porzingis just sort of, you know, like, he was a walking injury. He's not going to sign with you long term. And you have to either commit max dollars to a guy who is, like, an Achilles injury again, away from being a completely useless player. But now you have all this cap space. You can do whatever you want with it if you don't get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, you can do what the Nets did. Just say, you know what, I'll take your terrible contract for... You don't want to do what the
2: Nets did. The Nets got lucky, man. That's not a blueprint for success. No, That gives you options, though. It, it it does, but if you don't have a cornerstone player, say what you want about Porzingis being, you know, I don't think any big man, and Tom and I have had these conversations, I don't think any big man in today's NBA can be the focal point and the number one player on a team. But if you have a young, exciting player who comes back from injury and that is an appealing, he was supposed to be part of the process. He was supposed to be part of the courting of your other max free agent. I just don't understand how a world in which you traded your best player that the franchise has had and drafted since Patrick Ewing for literally cap space. space. I mean, they could have traded him for something much better in return. You didn't have to use the Tim Hardaway Jr. and Courtney Lee contracts to go with him. And to be honest with you, I I use this analogy on our our podcast when I had to talk Tom off the ledge. You just cashed in your stock options for lottery tickets. Yeah. That's that's how I looked at this deal. If it works and you get both of those free agents and KP is hurt down in Dallas or never wins with Luka, it's like, okay, then it worked. But this is risky, and this is something that really good franchises don't do. not do. No, it's a stupid
1: <laughs> risk. It's, it's not a calculated risk. It's not a smart risk. And I agree with you. He could have gotten hurt again, but he wasn't going to play this season. So – his value is the same at the end of this season as it was in the middle of the season you could have shopped him a lot more than all of this bs and i think to to think that this deal just popped up out of the blue after an hour of them having a meeting the more i read into it i find that hard to believe i think this was discussed behind back channels and all that stuff before this you do not trade your by far best asset for cap space I don't care if Kevin Durant comes up to you and says, I'm coming here next year. He can change his mind tomorrow. Kyrie Irving has already changed his mind seven times since the season <laughs> has started. During a during the pep rally, he said, "Oh, if you guys can have me back, I'll be back." Then you have him now, mid season. Talk first of all. You I don't know anyone, anything. Yeah, I don't know anyone, anything. Talk to me in July. First of all, you shouldn't be talking about free agency when you're trying to win a championship and you're one of the best teams in the ace. And second of all, you just said you want to be back if you'll have me back. So none of those are guaranteed. And you. Christoph Sporzinga's talent is guaranteed. His health is not, but his talent is. That is much more guaranteed than possibly getting either of these two guys. The
2: other thing too, just to just to wrap up that I think is getting lost by a lot of Nick fans when I when I hear the ones that are trying to say, oh, this is fine. listen, how many bad situations and relationships can you have with your best players? You know, you had the whole mellow situation. Say, what do you want about Carmelo Anthony? But I've always said to Tom, at least he wanted to be there. And you have Phil Jackson, who did not have to re-sign him, who did re-sign him, and then was alienating him and basically doing everything he could to get him off the roster. And we've seen David Fisdale have issues with other European stars when he was in Memphis with Mark Gasol. Now you're having it with Porzingis and people saying, oh, I, I I'd criticize Porzingis for skipping the exit interview with, with Phil. I thought, you know, you haven't accomplished anything in this league and you should go to what your boss tells you to go regardless of how you feel about him. That's KP aside, but clearly this is another marquee talent that for whomever is running this organization or in the GM's chair, in the president of basketball operation as the head coach is not getting along with the organization. And that's not a good thing. That's never a good thing because these max free agents, these guys coming, they, they talk, they know exactly what's going on. And if Porzingis is like, listen, man, I, I don't know if you were coming or not, but that place, you do not want to be there. That was not fun. They don't know what they're doing. And that might be enough for Durant, who seems like all he wants to do is play basketball. He might be like, listen, I just want to play basketball with a good team, and there's nobody here that interests me, even if I bring Kyrie. And I don't know if Fizdale's my coach. I, I don't know if, if I want to have to deal with James Dolan. I mean, there's still a lot of issues, and I thought those were the biggest concerns when I looked at this trade.
1: Yeah, it is very concerning, and supposedly Dolan is shopping offers. So if you want to go
0: fund me, please go buy somebody buy this team. Get, we can gets, start a <laughs> GoFundMe
1: on this pod. I just need about I'll donate a hundred. So come on, CEO, you can do more than that. Yeah, I'll donate a hundred, and then maybe we can just get you know about four
0: hundred. Billion more. <laughs> 400, yeah, 400 billion, about <laughs> 4 billion more.
1: Excuse me. So maybe, maybe we'll be able to buy that team.
0: Maybe we will. We'll, right now, we'll move on. And I think I got enough to fill in the NBA for coming for a couple months. So I think. We'll, All right, good. We'll, we'll come on to the college game, which is much more my speed. We'll talk about that right after this.
3: The St. John's to your point of not having the depth. Good skip pass. Figueroa puts St. John's in front. Figueroa is on another level right now.
0: All right, that call, Kersey, of Let's Fox go. Sports. St. John's, big win yesterday over Villanova at the Garden. Basically, in my opinion, punched their tickets to the NCAA tournament. We're going to talk a little college hoops with Sean and Tom. First of all, how much do you guys talk college on your podcast?
2: Every week. Every week? week? Yeah, yeah, we go absolutely. through the top 25 and talk about the state of Haven't the – mentioned con- the Pac-12. The
1: streak continues.
2: All of the conferences, yeah, uh, yeah that we find relevant um, – <laughs> So that's basically yeah, that's what we're doing. So
1: Sean's a UConn yeah. fan, yeah. Um, and I am a St. John's University
0: fan. So yeah, St. John's having a much better year.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I'm really happy. Um, Your tune changes every week. I'm uh, well. They just beat <laughs> Nova. What yesterday? So
2: it's an up and down. When year. they roosted to Paul, you'll be calling for Mullen's job. They oh, swept Marquette.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, no, I, <laughs> I'm I'm definitely happy with yeah. the team this year. And, and Sean put, hit the nail on his he- on the head last week when we talked about it on the pod. The coaching needs to improve in the sense that they play up to competition and they play down to competition. They should be crushing teams like Providence. If you're going to beat a team like Villanova, whether it's home or on the road, or you're going to beat a team like Marquette on the road, you should be beating Providence handily by 15.
0: Yeah, that's the difference between like the teams that like the elite coaches, like your Mike Shashevsky's, your Bill Self's, your Tom Izzo's, and the Chris Mullins, because Chris Mullins has not been there long. I would say, guys, like, we have to you know maintain a level of consistency. We can't just you know go all out because, St. John, because Villanova's in the building and we're all excited to play him. But when DePaul comes in on Tuesday night, you can't just you know for the first half.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that. Um, the team looks a lot better this year. The concerns that I have are that they have no, aside from the coaching, because we already talked about that, they have no bench at all whatsoever. The guy, the only guy who really plays minutes, unless somebody gets in some massive foul trouble, is Melo Tremblay. And the other thing is that they don't have any size. And in college basketball, almost every team has a big man. That, that can that can have a lot of footwork around the basket and has a couple moves and their biggest player is Marvin Clark and he's sitting at like 64 I mean he's a, he's a bulky guy he's about 230 pounds but the wingspan and the and the length is not there so that's what really concerns me with St John's
0: yeah, I remember Marvin Clark from his Michigan State days. Now he's back. On, now he's on Saint John. Yeah, transfer. he transferred. He transferred yeah.
1: last year. Absolutely, but they have a uh, they have a very athletic team. Every single every single person on the floor can create their own shot as well as shoot it um, off the catch or off the dribble. So I think that that's why they can make some noise. And the other thing is point guard play is so huge in college basketball. If your point guard can get hot, the guy that has a ball in his hands all the time, you can pretty much beat any team in the country. And St. John's probably has a top five point guard in the country in um, Shamori Ponds. And then Mustapha Heron is not too bad of a backup ball handler
0: either. What do you think their ceiling is in terms of a seed in terms of the NCAA tournament? Where do you think they'll end up right now?
1: After that win, probably say a seven. Seven or a five seven or a six? What do you think, Sean? They're
2: gonna be interesting because they have some of the best wins in the country, but they also have some just god awful losses. So I think it's gonna be dependent more on how do they finish the last few weeks of this regular season well. and how they do in the tournament I mean if they if they can even get to the semis I think you're looking at a five six seven wow. eight maybe even eight seed John, but don't get me too excited but if it. they go down and lose to a Providence again or lose to a Creighton or something like that in the first couple rounds well, then you're back to square one, and you're looking at probably being a 10 or 11. I think they have enough signature wins to to be there for sure. I, th- you know, Mike you mentioned you know, uh, stamp their ticket, but
1: so you think they punched their ticket, huh?
0: I think they're in.
2: Okay, I, I, I'm convinced they're do in. Do you think that there's anything that they could do that that would knock them out?
0: I mean, or I'd just too part, many good wins. I mean, apart from, like, losing every game the rest of the way, I think I think that's the only possible way they would miss it. But, like, there okay. not to be a lot of bad loss. I feel like they are in with that win. Because that's a lot of marquee victories on that right Yeah. Today. Which, you look at the bubble, the bubble's terrible. The bubble is so bad. And I keep track. I read the athletic column every week from Eamon Brennan. And it's like, every week it's a bunch of mediocrity. Especially when you look at teams like Indiana or, like, the bottom-tier SEC teams. Like, your Floridas. It's like, there's not a lot there. And, like, I would love to see for once the community say, you know what? Sorry, Indiana, you didn't really... One winner at Michigan State is not enough to get you in. And take a small school, like, say, like, the second or third best team in the SoCon, which is having a ridiculous year.
3: Yeah. Maybe no, I, Iona. I,
1: I, Maybe an Iona gets an automatic. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've watched Iona play this year quite a bit because I contribute to their coverage for ESPN3. I've worked on some of their broadcasts. This team, if they get in, they uh, they will have to win the conference tournament because they were bad out of the league, and they are going to have to go to date because... They're gonna be like a 16-15 team if they win the league for the fourth year in a row. Okay, all right. That's just figured my... I'd ask. Yes.
2: Cinderella find that slipper. Let's go. There we go. Hey,
0: that that's the Iona scouting report. Your insider report here for me. But let's go on to the top team in the country, which is Duke. And last we saw them, they had beat NC State, but they had that epic, epic comeback against Louisville last week. Jeez. That game, I mean, even the ESPN guy were saying this is over. Like they were, yeah. they were knocked, calling the champ knocked out, and then all of a sudden. They, they turned the lights on with nine minutes left, and they just completely dismantled them. Is anybody beating this team? They just started chipping
1: away, and I gotta be honest with you, I turned that game off. Yeah, I went to bed because I
0: they were down what like twenty? They were they were down by they were down by I think like definitely they were down twenty or ten minutes to go.
1: Yeah, no, I turned that game off, and here's the thing with Duke, and it's the same thing every year with these big major programs, of one and done teams. When they're at their best, and Sean's definitely going to agree with me on this, they're never going to lose. And this might be the best version of that ever, honestly. Aside from probably Kentucky with that AD year. Which, well, not not only that, that, that Kentucky
2: team in 15 that was undefeated heading into that Final Four game against Wisconsin. I mean, they were about as dominant of any team that we've ever seen, and they still didn't go all the way. And the reason being was Wisconsin was starting three seniors and a junior And that was the Frank Kaminsky coming out party where no matter how athletic and good Kentucky was, they were a little sloppy with the basketball and and in big crunch time situations didn't have a go-to guy. So, I mean, I I think that Duke can be beat. I mean, they put on performances. I was more impressed with the way that they beat Virginia the the game before that in Charlottesville because that was the second time they beat them and they beat them more handedly that time. And to go and do that to Louisville on the road was really, really something amazing. But I still look at them. They have their deficiencies. They have absolutely no bench. And if they get into foul trouble or one of their big guys like an R.J. Barrett or a Cam Reddish or even Zion isn't having their best game, this team could be had because they've had some super
0: close calls. Yeah, my issue, I want Virginia for one second. I am sick and tired of everybody crowning Virginia like they are the greatest things since sliced bread. That team is a bunch of Well, frauds. well That's how we feel about Michigan State. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll talk to you about Michigan State. Second. Let Really finish with Virginia first. I mean, Virginia every single year, they have the best defense in the country. Nobody can beat them. And then they get in the tournament. They don't score enough points. And then all of a sudden, bang, they're out in the second round or last year. Bang. We lost a 16 seed at UMBC. Yeah. That was, I got lost by 39 to Albany three weeks before that. I right. mean, at some point, well, they only
1: have one shooter on the team. Yeah, so That's Kyle Guy. He's the only one that can create any offense.
0: I remember last year I had a guy, my, a, a guy fill out, one my, of my friends, Dan. He fell out a bracket the first time ever. He's like, should I pick UMBC? It's like, Virginia lost their best player. I'm like, no. And I texted him after the game. I'm like, I'm sorry, bro. You should have had
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> okay? Yeah, I don't think anybody saw that one come. No. He,
0: he did. I'll give him credit. He's not watching any college basketball. He said, well, if they lost their best player, they might lose this game. So wow. <laughs> yeah. I got to ask him about my bracket picks this year. Yeah, I, I would
2: say so. I think he's gonna have some insight for you. No, that's crazy. I mean, I I didn't. I think I I think i had them going all the way. But I also if they if they didn't, I didn't think they were gonna be losing to a 16. But you're right. I mean, they are a defensive dominant team that can't score. They just can't get in a track meet. That's their that's their problem. When you're playing the ACC, you you know the scouting reports of these teams. You can beat them up physically. You can play games in the high 60s, low 70s. But if you're getting games, you know, against a running team like a UMBC that's playing. You know, like, their hair's on fire. That's a tough matchup because if you get down, they can't come back.
0: Yeah, because, again, it's like they play one speed, and if you speed them up, and this usually happens to these teams, these elite athletes, like like, you're, like you said, like your North Carolina is in the tournament, you've got these big Kansas teams that have done well against them, and you think about it. Like, he gets out-coached constantly, Tony Bennett. I mean, Tom Izzo has coached circles around him over, in the tournament couple, over the last couple of years. Jim Boeheim beat him with a zone at the 11-seed Syracuse team that one year. I mean, I just don't trust that team. No, I,
2: I don't. I, I can't say you're wrong. I mean, they haven't done anything that impressive come tournament time. They're always, you know, a top two or three seed, deservedly so. I mean, if you're handling what you are in the ACC, I can't say that you don't deserve to, to always be high, but you're right. I mean, they have their deficiencies, and they don't have those guys that can create their own shots. And like Tom said, I mean, if you only have one, and then if you get behind, they
1: don't have the offensive firepower. They just chuck threes. Yeah, and they and most they, of them I, can't do it. I can honestly tell you, I've watched a little bit of Virginia this year. I I don't ever see them go to the basket.
0: No, they don't. They just stay outside and shoot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay, let's go to the Big Ten now. You brought up Michigan State before. The Big Ten as a whole, I think it's back this year because last year that league was horrendous. I'm a Big Ten guy. They sent only four teams last year. This year they sent what eight nine and. I think they have at least one national title game there in Michigan.
2: Deepest conference in, in, in the sport not right now. Close. And yeah. it's not even close because they they're not as top heavy as your SEC with, you know, your Tennessee and Kentucky or your ACC with Virginia and Duke, but and now a climbing North Carolina. But they they do have the teams in the bottom like your Penn States, like your Indiana's your yep. Illinois who are who are and even your Northwesterns they're feisty. They're feisty they and they've won games they, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so I I think the Big Ten is absolutely, it's the hardest conference. Whoever's coming out of that, you know, it looks like it might be Michigan. My whole thing with Michigan State just to put them on.
1: We got some Michigan State fatigue on our pod. I,
2: I'm not a. Oh, I might hear this. I'm a Michigan State guy. So okay, <laughs> cool. So so, so I want to get your take on it. I shoot. I mm-hmm. am not. I don't understand why Izzo is revered as this incredibly unblemished head coach. I mean, he's gone to the final four a couple times. I'm not gonna Seven. Say, yeah, but I'm not gonna say that he's but he has one national title. Yes he does. He's also gone out to a couple teams that were nowhere like that in two thousand fourteen when UConn beat him. UConn had no business winning that game. And I just look at them sometimes and, and I look at across what was it, last week when they lost to an Indy or two weeks ago when they lost to an Indiana and Illinois. You know, both on the road or both at home, can't lose those games, man. You yeah. just can't. And I look at Izzo, and everybody just puts him in the same name as Shoshetsky and Bayheim. I, I, don't, I don't see it. He's a very good coach. I'd love for him to be the head coach of my team, but I don't think he deserves the accolade that some of these other guys get. That he seems to be lumped in with.
0: Yeah, to, to explain the Izzo thing from my perspective is this: it's just that like I feel like he gets more out of less than like, a lot of coaches in this country would, whereas like, the teams he's brought to the Final Four, you look at the guys on paper, there's not a lot of pros on those teams. He's bringing guys like Travis Trice to the Final Four, Brandon Dawson to the Final Four, when he has these big-time pro guys, they don't mesh well because he's a pure college coach. Like last year against Syracuse when they lost the game in the second yeah, round. Yeah, I, could,
2: I couldn't believe that.
0: Yeah, because the issue I had, I pointed this out in the game, was that he was basically trying to cater to Miles Bridges' pro career because the way this works is, you know the way to beat the 2-3 zone? You put the guy in the middle, your best passer in the middle of the zone, and have him pass, be either dished to the guy on the, on the baseline or kick out to one of your shooters. That should have been Miles Bridges because he's your best passer, but he did not do it because he wanted to keep Miles at the three and set him up for pro success. And he does his best for his players, but at the same time, he has limits on what he can do because, like, you're not taking teams of like Travis Trice and Brandon Dawson winning national championships. He's not getting the kinds of recruits that Duke is getting.
2: I see what you're saying, but also I, I don't know why he's, you know, you have this kid. I mean, I, you have this kid. Let him if he's if he's your dominant player. Run it through him if it's not his night, then go with your scheme. He also when, had
0: Jaron
1: Jackson on that team last year. Yeah,
0: Jaron Jackson is not a great passer though, which is why it, no, he was He should you. have been. He that's the spot. Jackson, where Jackson should have, have been at
1: the five, and and uh, Bridges, Bridges should had, have been at the four. Yeah, I he, was saying that all last year. Yeah, and I think honestly, it probably would have raised Bridges' draft stock because he would have played a hell of a lot better. And everybody's going with stretch fours that can shoot it in the league this uh, nowadays, anyways.
0: Yeah, because don't forget, Miles Bridges is supposed to be a one and done guy. He came back probably on the assurance that I was like, hey, I'm going to use you as the three next year. So. You know, like I can boost your stock a three. Could be right because he was not supposed to be there a second year. He's supposed to be gone to the NBA in the first year.
2: I just look at him and it's like, you know what, Shashetsky, you can lose to a Lehigh whenever you want because you have the equity in the bank. I mean, even Beheim, I know he only has one national title, but you know, aside from Carmelo, he hasn't had the you know incredible, incredible players as of late. But I feel like Izzo just gets lumped in with Bill Self, who I don't think he's as good of a coach as Bill Self. I don't think he's as great of a coach as John Calipari. And it's like they're they're just one two every year and it's like, all right, Michigan State, we're just assumed to believe that they're, you know, this juggernaut when at least to me, I'm not a big ten guy. So yeah. I'm but I even even so, like, I like watching Michigan a lot more than I like watching Michigan State.
0: Yeah, B Line's out in the last couple of years. Yeah.
2: I mean he <laughs> they've that's been my favorite team and, and Wisconsin I like watching too. You know, like I, I think that they're I, I don't look at a Michigan State and be like, wow, you are exponentially better. Like I look at Duke and say, yeah, you should, you can pretty much win the ACC every year unless Virginia's there or unless North Carolina has one of their crazy years. But I don't look at Michigan State and be like, yep, you're the, you know, undisputed Big Ten champion every year.
0: No, I think Michigan is sort of taking that spot right now. I think they are. I think if they were a team to beat Duke in this country, I think it's going to be Michigan just because of their experience. And I think By is a fantastic coach. Yeah. But as far back to Michigan State for one second, I think. With them this year, I also think the fact that they lost their second-leading scorer, like Josh Langford, early season. He's gone for the year. Yesterday, they lost Nick Ward. He broke his hand, so he's going to be probably half the most of the year, so... They're sealing his cap right now. They're not going to be in the final four. They might get knocked out the second round again. So like,
2: yeah, no, I'm just yeah, saying. I was yeah, just speaking more yeah. from
0: Izzo as a whole. Yeah, you don't like the myth of Izzo as like the superstar coach. It's like, no, I think the, he's
2: great. I think get, he's a phenomenal coach. I just, but I don't, don't like you, the
1: march.
0: You you think, march Izzo, yeah, the march Izzo. Yeah, the <laughs> <yeah, laughs> Izzo. Yeah, you don't. Yep. People try to put him up on the level with like Coach K and Roy Williams and like these right. guys. Right.
2: Yeah, I would take Roy Williams over 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 as Izzo. I,
0: as would I. I think he's a better coach. But yeah. like, I just disagree on Bill Self. Just because I feel like, as I said, Izzo gets less more out of less mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like self gets less out of more if you Could get what be I'm right saying on. because yeah, you, because like with all the lottery picks on that Kansas roster over the years yeah, all yeah. these guys he's had I mean you, know, you did have been, a team with Wiggins and Embiid yeah he, and they went out and he's, he's won one championship right. same as Tom Izzo he's been the less final four he wins
2: the big 12 literally every single year what do you do yeah but I'm just saying but <laughs> that's but I but I'm just saying that that's that's something where I'd like to see Izzo Knock, knock out, especially in some of those weaker years in the Big Ten, knock out a string of five or six straight Big Ten
0: titles. Yeah, they, the problem with that league, they kill each other all the time, and Bill Self has the most talented team in that league every year in terms of pure like NBA prospects. And it makes it easier compared to like when you have Wisconsin has NBA pros, Michigan has NBA pros, Ohio State usually has a good team, Indiana usually sometimes has a good team, sometimes in Indiana, but I think. No, that, I see. I yeah, see your
2: point. I think we were just more talking about like the myth of Izzo. Yeah. But, yeah. The, yeah. Myth, the
0: myth is the myth is a little there, but let's go on to the Big Twelve for a minute. There, Kansas. I think the Big Twelve streak on the line this year. Me I mean, too. Me too. I don't know if it's going to extend this year because I feel like they have so many injuries to overcome. I don't know if they can do it.
1: I, I I'm in complete agreement with you. They lost their big man. Uh, I. I suck at names, can't remember it. Uh,
0: uh, Udo And but
1: Yeah, he's out for the year, so and I think once that went down, I, I was saying it then that their streak is on the line. I think a few teams could definitely take them down.
0: Plus, LeGero Vick is off leave of absence, which takes another big guy away from that team.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Kansas State
2: knocked him off, I know, the other week. Yeah. Kansas yeah. State, I mean, they're I could, having a real good year.
0: Yeah, they are. They, they're boring as hell to watch because they just slow <laughs> the ball down to a crawl, but they are effective. But they're winning games, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Absolutely. I think it, like even an Iowa State might give him a run.
0: Yeah. Who do you look at in that league? Yeah, I like Texas Tech a lot. I felt like that team. They have a good. They have a They've pro been in on the team. top
1: ten team all year. Yeah. yeah,
0: they have a future. A couple future pros in that team. I think Texas Tech. I think they. They get got a them. couple
1: graduate transfers as well.
0: They is the Kansas coming there this weekend. I think if Texas Tech beats them this week, I think Kansas is not gonna win the league.
2: Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I that would be something. What is it? Thirteen straight years. Fifteen. Yeah, They're going 15. fifteen. Yeah.
1: Well, you might. Have, Sean's going to already know what he's going to do. He's going to go with his Patriots theory here. You yeah. got to prove me wrong before yeah. I say. You're anything. right.
2: Yeah. As far as the Big Twelve is concerned. Yep, yeah, Absolutely. I mean, I don't know how far they'll go as, as far as the tournament is concerned, but no, Texas Tech is that that's a team, and they were on the come up last year too. Yeah. They so, they made, I think they made the Elite Eight last
0: year. Yeah. yeah they yeah.
1: lost their best player, but yeah. still with Zaire Smith. But again, they re up this year, so.
0: Yeah, and again, just to emphasize here, Kansas has been a one or a two for like seven or eight straight years. I don't think they'll hit this high this year. I feel like they'll be like a three or a four this year.
1: Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I'm d- especially because we both agree that they're not going to win the Big 12 this year. All yeah, right. if they
2: don't win the conference,
0: they're not a one or two. No, no. Let's go on to the Pac 12, which is, again, it's just this year. It's a mid-major league. I feel like it might be a one big league if Washington wins the conference tournament.
2: Oh god, I don't want to watch that conference tournament.
1: No, I won't watch a second of that. Once Bull Bowl went out, yeah, I'm not watching any. I haven't watched. Uh, I think I watched one Big Twelve or sorry Pac-12 game, and that was the one where Bill Walton ate the lit cupcake. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm he, glad I tuned in for that one. He
2: is the most exciting part of that conference this year. It's bad. Yeah. It's really bad, and, and, and you know, unfortunately for ball Bull, Bull – you know, I was looking forward to watching him play a full year and, and watch what Oregon could do. But no, that conference, it's just not fun. There's nobody that good. There's nobody that, that I am going to stay up late for and be like, yeah, i, I got to watch this game.
0: I mean, Washington is good, but they have no way to play against. It. It's actually any good.
2: Right, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and who? And how good are they really once you get them out of there because they're playing such inferior competition?
0: It reminds me of the year. I, re- I think it was the year Iona got the at-large bid. was the year that the Pac-12 had Washington win the regular season. Uh, title, and then not make the tournament because the league was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> wow! It is, I think the only time in history that a power conference team has not made the tournament after winning its conference title. In it, it's hard to do that. To be honest,
1: I'm really disappointed in Arizona State, because it seems like they returned a lot of players, and
0: Hurley's a pretty good coach. I mean, Arizona State beat Kansas this year when Kansas was healthy.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and then they go on and they lose a bunch of games in a row, and I just don't understand it. They returned a lot of players, and I think what? But they, I think they were almost a number. They went up to number two or three they last a, year.
0: Yeah, they were two, at at one tw- point. Yeah, they, and, and then they ended up in the first four, right, or something like that. They that yeah, down they there. fell
1: that far, and I guess that's just not it, Hurley's clearly not a good, experienced enough coach. But I mean, they're they're a massive disappointment. They're my biggest disappointment this year in college
0: basketball. Do you think it's possible that Pac-12 be a one big league if Washington wins the tournament?
2: I think that's exactly where I think we're that's going. More than yeah, possible. I, I yeah. think that's probable. Yeah, I think I think you're right in that. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: that would be crazy because the SoCon might get more teams in there in the tournament than the Big uh, 12.
2: Listen, having the ability in the in the college basketball format to get a lot of teams in, and I think you know we don't have to. The committee's understanding: We don't have to put teams from power conferences in if you don't believe, if you if you don't deserve it. I mean, I look at two teams in the American between Cincinnati and and obviously um, Houston. H- uh, Houston as teams that are much better than Washington.
0: I don't really count the Americans as a mid though, because I mean, you got a lot of power schools in there, like UConn, Houston, Cincinnati. They,
2: no, but they're looked as that second tier of the powers. You know, like yeah. they're they're not they're not looked at the same way as an ACC.
1: How many national championships do they have since the formation of that? Don't they
0: have like one. two? What UCon- UConn? UConn's one. Wasn't Louisville in it at the time when they won? No. No, they were in the Big East still. I think yeah. it's the last year. Yeah, that was
2: 2013. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was the year okay. they beat Michigan. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Michigan got two title losses the last like five years. So B Lon right, knocking on that door. He's gonna be He's there. He's right there. Yeah. And Look he might
2: down. be he might be back there again this
0: year.
1: Absolutely. Might, might very
0: well be. Let's go to the mids room. Let's get the little guys a little love here. So I asked you guys each to come up with a sleeper team. Tom, who was your sleeper for the mid majors?
1: For the mid majors, hmm, let me see. Um probably probably have to take Iona. <laughs> 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 Just I like Buffalo. I like Buffalo. They've Do we consider some- Do we consider Nevada a sleeper? Uh, because they're so highly they're, ranked, they are technically a mid major. No, nah, because that's like saying Sang- that That's like Sang-
0: Gonzaga. Yeah, you can't count Gonzaga. I mean, if, if you're top ten in the poll, I can't really say you're a sleeper. Buffalo is a good one. I like Buffalo. A I lot. like
2: Buffalo too because they they did get there last year. Yeah, and I mean, I I like the way that they play. They they have some talent on that team. And they've spent some time within the top twenty-five on the very you know bottom end of the top twenty-five this year, and I don't think that there's a single team that gets Buffalo that's going to feel good. Buffalo went in and beat Arizona last year. I mean that was crazy, you yeah. know. So I, I I think that or they're not going to be afraid of anybody. They have some guys on that team that won a first round last year. I believe they played Duke in the second round and lost. Yeah. But yeah, I, I look at Buffalo. I said that's a, that's a team that could that could wreak some havoc.
1: Yeah, if I were to go with a sleeper, I mean, I obviously we don't think Buffalo is going to win the championship, but a team that can make a little noise. I'm going to go with Yale because I just watched a Yale game against Columbia and they dominated them and I've watched a few games before that and I mean, Yale seems to make it in every single year out of the uh, Ivy League conference. So, I think they're a team that could win a, a first round.
0: Yeah, my sleeper again. I talked about the SOCON a couple of times. I think it's the best major league in America here in their tournament. Like if you look at that that league they could have four different teams that could qualify for the NCAAs. They're, they're ridiculously deep. I'm going to go with Wofford. Wofford okay. this year, 23-4. and four. They are 15-0 and 0 in conference play. Their only losses this year are to North Carolina, Oklahoma, Kansas, Mississippi State. Those are the only four teams to beat Wofford all season. I guess they can get a pass. And they yeah. are they are knocking on
1: the door, of the top yeah. 25 as well. They're yeah. in the other receiving votes yeah. category.
0: There's a little more information about Wofford here. They're 15th in the country in scoring 83.5 points per game. They shoot over forty one percent from three. You know if they get half from three, that's the easy ticket for a Cinderella they'll get through. Oh yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah. If they have a game where they shoot like sixty percent from three, they're they're yep. golden. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, and they have a guard, Fletcher McGee. He averages twenty points a night and he has a chance to hit the all time three point record in the NCAA. Wow. Uh, he can actually pass Steph Curry's record, Davidson.
2: And that's the same conference, right? Yeah, so they
0: were in that conference. They moved on.
2: Okay. Yeah. yeah so I, I, if you're getting that, I mean, that's that smells upset right there.
0: Yeah, I'm telling you, wa- watch Wofford in your brackets this year. They're the team I think is going to go Oh, on I'm a taking run. this yeah. information from yeah, you, let man. Me write
1: that down. <laughs> yeah.
0: Right yeah, Wofford. This watch that SoCon term if you want your sleepers. I feel like there's a lot of good teams in that league because you have Furman in that league, and remember they beat Villanova. I've Villanova Furman, so that's a, one. East Tennessee State, UNC Greensboro also very good teams out of that league. That tournament is going to be amazing.
2: Awesome. I, I can't wait. I mean, and, and whoever emerges, you know, a couple teams, yeah. one team, they're, if they're especially starting their seniors and they can hit those numbers from the three-point line and they can make free throws and they can upset a team and, and kind of get a team like a top two or three seed playing a little flustered, There's mm-hmm. your there's your recipe for an upset.
0: Yeah, and Tom, if you don't want to watch the Pac-12 tournament, here watch the SoCon tournament.
1: All right, yeah, <laughs> that, that sounds good to me. I'll definitely tune into that as opposed to the Pac-12, unless Bill Walton, maybe he'll eat an entire cake.
0: <laughs> I don't know. All right, last thing. Let's go on. Let's go on to favorites for the Player of the Year. Who do you think is the, is anybody beating Zion for Player of the Year?
1: No, no, Shamori Ponce. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. No, not at all. Not even close. See, the guy is amazing. Yeah. he's going to be the third best player in the NBA probably next year.
0: Yeah. I'm- Third best player in the NBA. <laughs> yes, Thomas is very upset. Is yeah. I'm, I'm not in love. upset. Just I'm because in love. he's changed
2: his tune on yeah. an Anthony Davis thing about five times, and and I caught him red-handed with yeah. that one. And now, now he's you did not. Now he's no, you did now not. he's all upset about and having to hitch his hitch his train to the, to uh, Zion, which is really not a bold statement, but to say he's going to be the third best player next year is, is strong. I, <laughs> I I I just it has to be Zion.
0: Yeah.
1: And
2: the reason being is is not just that he's incredible. He is an attraction. He's an event. Yeah. He is what makes people who are not that interested in the regular season or maybe even in college basketball at
0: all. They'll watch him.
2: They are watching Zion Williamson and I mean, whoever else is playing for Duke, they don't have to know about. It, it's the Zion show. That's what this year we knew was going to be the, the, the main attraction of this college basketball year before the tournament, which obviously carries the weight of its own. I can't see anybody just because of his significance upsetting Zion.
1: No, not at all. I mean, the guy who's the other prospect at a Murray State or Java Rant. Yeah, he, he could make him a run for his money. That guy reminds me a lot of uh, Damian Lillard and Russell Westbrook just because of the, the explosiveness. But, I mean, Zion, come on. Every Duke game's on national TV. And I'd love to see the numbers on the Duke games watch this year yeah. as opposed to a, a regular Duke year because the guy is must see TV.
0: Yeah, that block he had against Virginia the other oh week. Oh my yeah, god! That's the
1: ground he covered was incredible, and the height he got.
0: Yeah. Oh my god. I mean, like you watch that and why? But he Wait, he did that, and then they show the replay. And you see, he's like ten feet off the ground, and catching I the trade I don't know <laughs> what was
2: taking that guy so long to yeah. shoot it, but yeah, <laughs> that's. Yeah. I wouldn't
1: trade him for the. I wouldn't trade the rights of him for anybody in the NBA except Luka Doncic. I think I put a, that on yeah. wax last week. Yeah. yeah. Now it's now it's on two different platforms. There we go.
0: There we go. All right. Let's move on. We'll go on our two-minute drill next. We're gonna talk about the Alliance of American Football. I'm excited to talk about that. We'll get there right after this.
3: One-on-one picks up the first down. Paul Cavicci never saw the man coming, and he is
0: lit up. My goodness, Sean Washington with the stick. This has been the issue with Berkovici Awareness and ball security when pressure comes in the pocket. Wow, oh, he was completely blindsided. He had no idea. Mm. All right, we're back with Sean Rowe, Tom Bacchino from Sorry to Interrupt Podcast. This is a two-minute drill. We're talking about the Alliance of American Football. You just heard the hit heard around the world from that league. Whew. The helmet popper from Sean Washington. Carl courtesy of CBS's Spiro Ditas. Guys... I asked you guys to watch an AAF game. What are your big impressions of this league? <laughs> it's fun.
1: I, um, I feel that as long as they don't try and create a league to be parallel to the NFL. Compete, and basically. They, exactly. Yeah. To compete, I think that they're, they're doing just fine. Hopefully it turns into somewhat of, it's going to take 20 years to do if this thing is successful, but hopefully it turns into somewhat of like an NBA G League kind of thing.
2: Well, they have a jump start on the new XFL, which is which is which behooves them. They have some former NFL head coaches and players, which we can acknowledge, a Mike Martz and and a Steve Spurrier, and then you've also got some guys like Trent Richardson playing, and uh, former Jet great Christian Hackenberg. So um, <laughs> he finally <probably> got <laughs> to play. Hey, there you go, and it showed a lot of reasons why nobody ever wanted him <laughs> to play. But um, but no, I, I think it could be successful. Listen, I, to anybody that knows the history of of the USFL that was a league that was played in the spring into the early summer and had NFL talent like a Herschel Walker playing for the New Jersey Generals you had a Jim Kelly playing down in Houston you had a Steve Young I mean you had a lot of talent up and down that league and the only reason it it failed was because Trump was trying to go toe-to-toe with the NFL and and wanted his New Jersey uh, Generals who he owned to be bought into the NFL, and it wasn't going to happen, but listen, if this, what this league tells me is this. People, God, do they love football, and it might sound like such a generic, obvious statement, but the first night of this league, those two games that were played, outdrew the Saturday marquee NBA game, which was Rockets-Thunder tenfold. And you know you're not getting the top competition. You know you're seeing guys who are washed out of the NFL. But I think it's a lot. Of, I think it's a lot of fun. You're getting guys who who might think that their career's over or has to play. You know, and practice squads can go play in the springtime, maybe show something. Tom, to your point, like a like a G League kind of model, and it's in the springtime, and and people love football. I I'd watch a game. On a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday evening, if I know if I can invest in a team and and think this isn't a joke, I'm not quite there yet, but it has potential. I, I can't
0: I can't argue that. Yeah, I'm excited to see how this turns out because I, I admit I turned on to that first game, which they were smart putting on CBS first. Just to get CBS the CBS
2: Sports, right? Or no, and, and it was, night
0: one was an actual CBS hat. Okay, and then wow. they, they've gone to CBS Sports, NFL Network, TNT since then. But like things like is Tom mentioned, it's so fun and it's so fast because. They shorten the play clock to 35. The clock's always moving, and they do a lot of those. Instead of cutting away for a commercial every time after the kickoff, And they do, like, act, act, first of all, there's no kickoff, which I think is great. Yeah, I like that. I think starting at 25 is fantastic. I like they had the coaches mic'd up, and you hear, you hear like, Mike Riley calling the plays as quarterback. I think the replay thing, where you hear the process going in, is great. It's something NFL needs to adapt right away.
2: Hey, and maybe these are maybe these are implementations that the NFL can look at. I mean, we know they're pretty tone deaf and and behind the times with basically everything that they do, but maybe they look at this and say, "Listen, this is gaining traction. This is a really good idea, and we and we need to do this." I, I don't know what the crossover is going to be if there is one, but I could see this league being successful. People in this country love. Football and there have been you know versions of this that has been very successful in the USFL's case back in the '80s, early '90s. So springtime football, get me invested in a team. Let me see some players who I kind of recognize. Trent Richardson playing for the Birmingham team.
0: I, I, I I'm in former former Jet Jalen Marshall caught a touchdown for Orlando. There last you go. Night.
1: Nice. Yeah. The last thing I'll say about it is I think watching the first couple games and taking away from it, it's not like an XFL kind of thing where it's... It's not gimmicky. It's kind, of, Yeah, XFL you get the feel that it's kind of, although Vince McMahon has it, a lot to do with it, it's not like I'm watching football's version of wrestling or I'm watching like the v- NFL Street or whatever. This is serious. They're taking it serious. The coaches are obviously serious because they're former pros and some of the players. And I don't want to say it's watered down, but it, it's football. This isn't a joke. They're not going to put like body cams on people, or, or, or whatever you want to call it, and, and do all these stupid gimmicks.
0: It's just football, and, and that's what people want. I like. I also like this. Tom, what do you think about the idea that they don't do the extra point? You have to go for two after every touchdown. I think, it.
1: I don't think it'll ever happen in the NFL because it kind of ruins the purity of the game, or whatever you want to call. It. In the NFL, purists, we talk yeah. about baseball purists, wanna, But I do like it. It speeds up the game. It makes it a lot more fun. Um, and it puts a lot more pressure on the teams to um, to have a lot more packages. I think the best thing that's going to come out of it is plays. There's yeah. going to be a lot more goal line plays that are yeah. going to be made out of that.
2: Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing like when we know it it made it. You see, like a, a former or like a really good college coach who might not might have been rumored for some NFL jobs, yeah. but doesn't want to go back. Maybe like a. Um, Maybe like the uh, the guy out of uh, Oklahoma right now. Maybe he decides that. Lincoln, Lincoln Riley. Riley. Maybe he's like, oh, I ha- thought I had an NFL job lined up. No, I don't. I don't really want to stay in college though. I think that's. I think like, I'm gonna go pro and but I'm gonna coach in the
1: AAF. I think that's yeah. like. If, if that this happens. If successful, I think that's like five years away. At oh least. no, I'm
2: not saying it's gonna happen now, but if that does start to happen, I mean, you saw like a guy like Herschel Walker playing in the USFL. That's that's big time. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, for sure. I also think the other interesting rule I noticed is that the late in the game with the onside kicks, they don't do an actual kick but like you get the ball, you have a fourth and twelve and you're twenty eight, you have to convert that to keep the ball. I think that's an idea that can be modified for the NFL use because we saw during the season this year. Onside kicks came basically useless with the new rules, with the way you had to line the players up. They couldn't you couldn't get the ball back. And now right. this is an option where you could say, you know what? Here's get and the NFL needs ways to get the ball in the hands of these guys. Like your Patrick Mahomes is more and say you know here Patrick Mahomes make a fourth and twelve. If you want to keep the ball, I think the that's tough part.
1: The tough part with the NFL is we're probably all going to be buried and dead by the time they change <laughs> these rules. Unfortunately, yeah.
2: And when and the rules that they do change, you know they're so half pregnant with them and and have no idea what they're doing. So it's like you know you put in these new rules and then after a couple of weeks there's uproar about it and then they change them back or you know two years later the competition committee you know does it over again i i don't know but i want to see new exciting ways to see football played that's not changing really the game just to make it a little bit more fun yeah and absolutely. it looks like this league is
0: doing that oh for sure i think it's going definitely have the place it's sort of like the as you said the g leagues sort or of the minor league version of the nfl and i think the nfl wants it to be that where they want to say you know what We'll get some of these guys who don't have a shot here. We'll try and make them stars in the spring, and then they can compete for jobs in the fall. It
2: would yeah. behoove them to get along with with the NFL, and it would behoove the well, NFL. Well, they're playing, He
1: said they're playing it on the NFL networks. So. Yeah,
2: it, but it would make sense for the NFL too to buy in and not look at this as a as something. You know, we how Goodell is. Make, don't look at this as something that's challenging you. That's it's not going to
0: happen. I think they are behind this. I've seen like a lot of marketing efforts from the from the league saying, "Hey, check out the AAF," and they st- and they launched it right after the Super Bowl, which is the perfect way to launch it because. People are still in football mode. It's not like the XFL where will wait till like March. It's like they went the first Saturday after the Super Bowl and said, Here's more football for you guys.
2: Yeah, it definitely seems more legit being on those networks and seeing that the NFL's endorsing. What I simply meant was if it starts to grow in popularity, don't try to push it down and say, Oh this no, This isn't no, no, no. your competition. It's not. It will never be your competition. You don't have anything to worry about. Just enjoy it and let these athletes get to get another chance.
1: Yeah, and maybe it gets to the point where they put a little heat on college and these guys can actually not go to college. Make a little money. Make a little cash. Yep. Absolutely. Hopefully this forwards the progress like the NBA G League is hopefully going to do on the NFL or on the football side where these guys can actually make some money for their talent as opposed to wasting their time in college and risking life and limb for nothing. Right.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm also curious to see if we get anybody who comes sort of does the Kurt Warner like. Oh, Kurt Warner was in NFL Europe for years and became a star in the NFL. If somebody comes out of the league and becomes a star in the NFL, hey,
1: you never know. Yeah, and
2: if it does, then it's just going to blow up even more because it's like, hey, remember watching that guy on that Saturday night in, in Birmingham? In, yeah, mid February. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and
1: the other thing you got to look at it in 2019 now is that you said the the USFL they failed because they tried to compete against the NFL. And NFL Europe. There wasn't too many outlets to watch the games. In 2019 with all the outlets between Twitter and streaming and all that stuff... It's, it's going to be a lot easier for this league to make it because of all the outlets that they have between social media and all these streaming and everything like that for people to get eyes on
0: it. I think they also did this very smart too, but I think aside from Atlanta, every market that has an as an AAF team does not have an NFL team. So like you're satisfying. I yeah, I know St.
2: Louis brought one back St. and maybe Louis, they rally San, around that team. San
0: Diego has one and San Antonio's had one and I think Orlando the only is the biggest Florida market Does I think Atlanta is really the only market in the league that has an NFL team as well
2: That's really smart Yeah, yeah. Uh, no clear, this has
1: been well played this isn't the XFL that was just kind of thrown together No and, and under the thing. new
2: XFL which looks like it could you know it actually has a, the essence of football that's coming in in 2021 I believe you're now a couple of years ahead of the game where you're getting those athletes you're getting that exposure and by the time the new XFL comes in People might be oversaturated with football, if that's even such a thing, and say, well, what time of year are you playing this to only get eyeballs on you? And then the AAF has already had a couple successful years and growing. I could see yeah. a
1: merger between the two before it even happens. Yeah. Maybe. But honestly, because I think— I'm, I don't know
2: if Vince McMahon will do that, but— He's, he's going to want to beat the AAF. He's not going to want to— con- I was just going to say, he doesn't true. seem as somebody who's going to settle. Because he, he's got a lot of egg on his face from the first one, and to come up, there's already a lot of skepticism— on the part of uh just the general well, consumer too far deep
1: now to go back
2: exactly so now that he has his ideas where what is he gonna do to challenge this because one of those leagues is going to end up
1: being the victor
0: oh yeah for sure and one thing one thing every I'm move po- they've
1: yeah. made so far sorry to interrupt
3: yep. this the right <laughs> move
0: <laughs> yeah one thing i want to point out here we i think we will see a guy come out of this league eventually but I think we can all guarantee it's not Christian Hackenberg. No, no, I no, would,
2: no, 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 I would agree with you.
1: I would agree with you. I don't know. Yeah. John Gruden might disagree.
0: Yeah, well, John Gruden has his own issues. But that's a whole other <laughs> podcast. So. All right, guys. Thank you for coming on. I very much appreciate it. Hey, thank you for having us. This was Absolutely. a lot of fun. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Before we go, you want guys, you guys want to plug your social media handles?
1: Absolutely. So um, we are sorry sports, um, dot com is our website. Sorry to interrupt is obviously the name of the podcast at sorry sports on our twitter sorry underscore sports on instagram and if anybody wants to shoot to shoot us a quick email it's sorry sports at yahoo.com
2: yeah and just remember to rate review and subscribe to us uh on apple itunes or uh apple podcast rather wherever else you get your podcast spotify google play anything like that so yeah thank you for
1: having us on this was yes, a lot of thank fun thank you sir it no,
0: was, no problem was I, I, it was a lot of fun and you guys As are ceo uh, of
1: uh, sorry sports oh my god firmly, yeah. thank you
0: yeah, and you guys are actually the reason why I got on on Apple Play cuz I saw Apple Podcast store cuz I saw you guys were on there. our friend Will sent sent me the link. He's like listen to these guys. I'm like wow, if Sean and Tom can get on iTunes, I'm sure I can get on iTunes too. So Oh yes, no, <laughs> no, absolutely. No, it's not that
2: hard. No, yeah. no, not at all.
0: All right, that will do it for today's show. I want to thank you guys again for coming on. I much thank appreciate it. Thank you for having us. If you guys want more good stuff like this podcast, including my look at the Kareem Hunt situation you guys said you talked about last week. Yes. I wrote a blog article about it. You can check it out at justandthesuffering.wordpress.com. That's my site for this podcast. You can also subscribe to my podcast as well. Subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. So they search for Just and the Suffering in the podcast store or the Google Play Music section. Like Sean said, please leave feedback and star ratings on me as well. I make this podcast get even better going forward. You can also follow me on Twitter, at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S-331. And I usually do a hashtag at the end of the show. Do you guys have a good hashtag in mind? Sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sorry not sorry is usually what I throw up on the Twitter.
0: All right. Hashtag sorry not sorry it there is. We go. We'll go with that. Next week, I'm going to be talking some hockey. and complete my go-around of all the sports. Talk to our hockey guy, Pete Considore. He'll be here next week. And the return of the baseball beat. They're coming back for an American League preview. All that next week and more. Until then, hope you have a better week than Louisville fans.